Now you see me standing in the lights But you never saw my sacrifice Or all the nights I had to struggle to survive Had to lose it all to end the fight I had to fall so many times What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Jordan. And this is Desmond. And welcome to episode 73 of Two Black Nerds. That's right. It's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and hot takes on all things fandom, pop culture, and entertainment. As always, you can find Two Black Nerds wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support. And of course, join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Black Nerds. We appreciate that love, y'all. And let's not forget to mention, we have brand new merchandise that's available now at Two Black Nerds. Dot com. Go check out our Two Black Sands collection inspired by Dragon Ball Z. We got t-shirts, crew neck city stickers, mugs, and dad hats. So go ahead and place those orders right now. On today's show, we will exclusively be talking about the newest Marvel film, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. We'll be discussing all of the details, including a spoiler-filled analysis of the main characters and the big moments from the movie. And if you've seen Venom, Let There Be Carnage, make sure you stick around to the end as we unpack that game-changing mid-credit scene. But before we get to any and all of that, we're going to kick off today's show by taking a few moments to acknowledge and reflect on the two-year anniversary of Two Black Nerds. Yeah. Y'all was good. Two years already. Yeah. Wow, time has flown by. 73 episodes, not wow. including some of the bonus episodes we've done. We got more than that, but 73 episodes, two years here. We started this podcast a couple of years ago, back in October 2019, when we reviewed our first movie ever, Joker, on mm. that podcast, and we've been rocking and rolling ever since. Obviously, things last year just got kind of crazy, so we had to figure out what this podcast was going to be, what we would talk about, and there was a lack of things to talk about, too. So there were some there was some weeks we missed, for sure, but we always made sure to stick around, have a presence, whether it was a movie night, whether it was some new merchandise, mm-hmm. or just tweeting and doing stuff on social media. We've been here for two years, 73 episodes. Man, I'm, I want to turn over to you real quick. How you feel about two years so far? Man, first and foremost, I am just happy to be here. Two Black Nerds was, again, something that I think um, would have happened online or offline. Again, me and Jordan were just, he, he you know, we just became um, um, a force in terms of the, the things we knew about film and video games and comics and wrestling. All the things that we talk about on this show. And we just decided to record it, man. And it really did um, become bigger than uh, I, I even imagined um that it that it could become so you know again i'm happy to be here man two black nerds uh man uh thinking about the first episode what we even sounded like was different uh we our mics were different or where we <laughs> recorded much. was different our hair was different like everything was different man it's crazy like how how different two years actually is like it's actually a a long period of time i think more than more than people realize man i even remember um, all of it. One of our first movie nights was freaking Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yes, it was indeed. like the very first movie night um, that we ever hosted. Uh, and yeah, man. Think again. Just think about how like old Joker is. That was our first episode. Now we're like people don't even talk about Joker only because it's like so. It's, it's 2019. People still use the meme, of course, when everybody tells a bad <laughs> joke. Everybody still uses the meme. Um, but yeah, man, it was a different time, and I'm glad to be here, part of the growth. Um, um, one of my best friends, of course. Happy for you. Happy that you stuck here with me, my guy. Um, but yeah, man, two black nerds, two blessed. You know, uh, as I like to say, I, I just really appreciate everything we've done in these past couple of years, man. So yeah, uh, uh, it's a celebration. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that, bro. Same to you, of course. And um, you're right. Two years doesn't seem like a lot of time, but a, a lot can obviously change. We saw what the past year and a half showed us how much things can really change drastically. And I remember when we first started the show, we were recording every week in person together. You know, mm-hmm. we would we would we were figuring it out. And, you know, you live in Brooklyn. I live in Manhattan. So right. we would have to commute back and forth. And then there was that stretch there. There was that, you know, that that era where we were meeting at the library yep. to record episodes, <laughs> which was crazy. Like we would get off work on Mondays, y'all, and go to the library and record in person. Uh, and, and, you know, to be honest, like we've done everything virtually ever since the pandemic ha- happened last year. Um, which is certainly more convenient. It's, al- it's allowed us to produce more stuff and yeah. be more um, obviously consistent with everything that we that we put out there. But I will say like that, that in-person vibe, I do miss occasionally because that yeah. energy is always different to just be there with a person. But mm-hmm. be that as it may, nonetheless, like being able to adapt to all these different circumstances, continue to have ideas, continue to figure out ways that we can engage with the community and the people that listen to this podcast every week. Yeah. Um, the, the biggest surprise to me is to see how consistent we have listeners every single time that wow. we put out an episode. That's yeah. really the that's really the crazy thing. Like you mentioned, it's 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 you know surpassed what I even thought it would it could be. It's really hard to get people to just listen to something or to watch something. Like mm-hmm. if you're not famous, um, newsflash. I mean, everybody probably knows that, especially like other content creators out there. But to see that there's a consistent fan base, um, and it's even weird saying fan base. Like I don't consider <laughs> us to have fans, right? But you, you, you guys get what I'm saying. But to to have consistent listenership and a consistent audience each week, and um, that that's one of those things is always really reaffirming to me. And I think the biggest compliment which literally happened before we started recording today. I just told you about it. But the biggest compliment that anybody can pay is hitting one of us up saying, yeah, man, I, you know, I checked that movie out because y'all talked about it and said mm. it was good. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't think I was going to watch this movie or I didn't have plans on watching this movie. But because you guys reviewed it and liked it or said this or said that about it, I went and watched it or, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Or even, you know, music, we talked about music and games and all of this different stuff. And... I think that that's the biggest compliment because when we started this, we always just wanted to say like, we just want to expose things that people might not know about, talk about yeah. things that people may not be familiar with mm-hmm. and just have that conversation with each other. Cause we like a lot of stuff. And so that really is the biggest compliment that anybody can pay to us in my opinion, just because it, it, it really reinforces that there are people here that listen that not only want to hear our thoughts about stuff that they might engage with, but they're also trying to discover new things as well. So mm-hmm. that's just always a really dope thing to me. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's, it, like you said, it's just like, damn, you came back. Like, uh, like I understand somebody like listening once. It's like, oh, man, that was cool. But then you listen to another episode after that. And some people go, oh, another episode after that. And then when we actually start to put out, you know, merch here and there, they're like, oh, you, you start to see, you, we can see who buys what. You know, it's like, damn, you yeah. bought a shirt. <laughs> like, damn, <laughs> you, you rock with us that much that you bought a shirt. People don't even I don't even know. We'd be like, uh, let me get a mug. And then you're like, who, who even are you? But it, it, it's still a really good feeling um, to know, again, people rock with us that much um, to do that. Uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's, even, it's really great. Even family, right? Like family members have, I mean, they, they it, it, it's, you know, it's one of those things that I think sometimes, for me at least, it's easy to forget about. Like, of course, you know, family's going to support. But then to see like family mm-hmm. members like, Wait, you got a podcast? Right. Oh, send it to me. I want to listen. And then they like, wait, you got merchandise? Oh, I want to buy a <laughs> shirt. And it's just like, 
I just never would have considered that. Like, I'm, I'm more of a person, like, if you discovered it, if you want to get into mm-hmm. it, that's on you. I'm not going to press it and push it on you. I'm yeah. not, like, a, a promoter in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I like people to just, like, discover things. But to see people just, like, reach out and do that type of stuff. People have texted me, like, yeah, y'all got hats yet? Y'all got hats yet? Y'all got hats yet? And we like, oh, it's coming. Just wait. This, right. this is coming. Um, all of that stuff, man. It's just really cool. And, uh, again, like, people texting and hitting me up, like, saying, yo, heard what you thought about this. Heard what mm-hmm. y'all said about this. And I'm just like that's crazy people are listening to this i'm I'm sorry y'all it's not you know it's just still one of those things so i, I i'm tremendously grateful for all the people that do tune into this show yeah um that 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 engage with us on social media that share their opinions send in questions comments mm-hmm. whatever it is a like like all of that stuff has just like taken us to places that um i could not have seen just the two years ago so i'm really happy that we're here i do gotta ask you though i mean we, we we're, we're a podcast first like that's kind of like the impetus of all of this and we've done other things and you know ventured out into other areas mm-hmm. um as far as the podcast goes do you have a favorite episode that we've done so far and i don't mean i don't mean to sound vain asking you this like oh yeah let's talk about ourselves and what we've done but <laughs> i am curious because we have not had this conversation offline like do you have a favorite episode that we've done or a favorite mm-hmm. movie that we've reviewed or tv show that we've reviewed where you just thought like man that was a really great conversation like even if that happened off camera if that was just a conversation between us two that was a really good insightful conversation and it just worked out that way man to this day i have never gotten over our watchman episode and i think you you know you might have seen that coming um but we also but watchmen i think allowed us especially allowed me you know i love history to to combine things i love together right um um the 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 liberation of blackness and a TV show and a comic book TV show at that. And it was HBO and Regina King is in it. You know, it was just like a different kind of energy, I think, coming from Watchmen. And in that same episode, again, we talked about uh, black women and comic book content, you know, the Ironhearts that are coming up, the Michonnes, you know, stuff like that. And so I, I think that's kind of always been my favorite episode. Um, even so, again, we got to talk about the history of the, the Tulsa massacre, you know, it was just a lot of things I think wrapped up in one that I know I enjoyed myself. I was like, yeah, this is, this is some dope content, um, just for me. And I hope other people enjoyed it as well. So I think, I think that's always been my favorite. I feel you, man. That was a really good time. And, and, and funny, funnily enough about that episode, we recorded that in the tiniest room possible, y'all. Like we, (laughs) this was another week we were in a library and we were in the, I mean, and this was not intentionally done. We, we meant right. to have a bigger room, but y'all know how library reservations go. Like it's hard to get anything in a library and mm-hmm. we had the tiniest room you could ever, it's literally meant for just one person and studying. That's all it's meant for. <laughs> and there was somebody next to us studying and she was not having it. She did not want us to finish <laughs> that episode because we were being too loud. And I'm, t- right. I'm telling y'all, if y'all go back and listen to that episode, you can hear our voices. Like we're trying to be quiet. <laughs> and there were, there were a couple of times where she came over and made a ruckus because she was, uh, she was not pleased that we were, disturbing her study time rightfully mm. so i get it i understand right. it um although we were we were basically at the end of it but uh we've come a long way since then but that was a great episode i think for me one that really sticks out is it was definitely during 2020 during you know the pandemic and specifically it was actually um after things were at a just a i mean the the country and the state that it was in last summer yeah um when we did the juneteenth episode oh um, yeah that was particularly uh one it was tough to do just because of so much had happened up until that point and we were just in such a 
crazy and disturbing and alarming place in the country mm-hmm. and things were very very uncertain you, not only did you have the pandemic but you had these protests and you know black lives matter and so much stuff happening across the country um but you know we were also trying to figure out how to live our lives and still just like be normal in that yeah. sense obviously the burden the burden that a lot of black people have to deal with of course all the time and so that was a particular time where we weren't recording that much, but we knew we wanted to put out a Juneteenth episode, and it mm-hmm. also coincided with the release of The Five Bloods, Spike yeah. Lee's last movie that debuted on Netflix. Um, that was just a really, really memorable experience for me in particular, just yeah. because of, obviously, again, everything happening around the country and in society at that time, but also mm-hmm. just the fact that we were able to take not only future like current events but then also like what was happening in the media and like merge those two things together and you know present something that was i think profound really mm-hmm. and it was also one of our most listened to episodes so i think people really wanted to hear something and it resonated with folks so really really enjoyed that one and then just like as a cheat code out there on another i just really liked the low-key series that we just did man yeah. I, that was just like we that was super it. fun we, uh-huh. we really do- we really dove in you know anytime <laughs> uh-huh. we get to like dive into one thing when we're not watching or, you know, playing or listening to everything in the world, when we can just focus on one thing, which we don't get to do often, I always enjoy that just because we can really focus on that. So mm-hmm. the Loki stuff was really fun. So I'm looking forward to what we might have in store for the future. So um, two years, man, definitely shout out to everybody that's been supporting this entire time. Yes, and yes. We're going to be here. We're going to keep rocking and rolling. We got more stuff coming. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening to this, uh, there should be some stuff out there on social media that you can Uh-oh. tap into, see some new stuff, some new artwork out there, some new mm-hmm. merchandise, all great things check to celebrate out. our two-year anniversary. So definitely go over to the website, go check us out on social media support, just send a like or a comment or a congrats or whatever you want to do. Um, anything is meaningful. So want to just appreciate and <laughs> share how grateful we are for for everybody that, that tunes into Two Black Nerds and Here's to many more, obviously. Yes, yes. So with that said, today's episode, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to be talking about Venom Let There Be Carnage, the latest Marvel movie, a movie that was supposed to come out in October of 2020. But because of the pandemic, which we've talked about endlessly, um, that mm-hmm. movie got delayed a few times. It got delayed actually until June of this year, and then they delayed it again. And then Shang-Chi came out and it did really well. So they were like, oh, let's capitalize on that and push this movie out. So we went to go see that movie last week in theaters in a big IMAX theater to go see Venom Let There Be Carnage so we're going to talk about that film today we're going to do a non-spoiler review just in case you haven't seen the film if you still haven't gotten around to it um, we're going to do a non-spoiler review with our thoughts and share what we what we felt about the film just on a high level and then we're going to dive deep into spoilers and talk all the details but before we get to that stuff we got to give some context and some background about Venom as we always do with all of these comic Mm -hmm. book and superhero movies so Venom one of the most popular anti-heroes in Marvel uh, really started out as a true villain, but over time became an anti anti hero in a sense. And obviously, as with all of these big popular um, characters from Marvel and or DC, they're going to figure out a way to bring them to live action. And we actually got our first incarnation of Venom in live action all the way back in 20, uh, 2007 with Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3, played by Topher Grace. Not the most beloved interpretation of the character, <laughs> um, to say the least. I'll leave that conversation for another day. We'll probably have to revisit it this December. Yeah. But um, after that, Sony uh, made an attempt to develop some spinoff films based on the character. They wanted to create their own sort of shared cinematic universe. And Venom, again, being such a popular character, they wanted to figure out a way, okay, can we just take this character and make, make its own sort of shared universe? And so they've been actively developing a Venom film alongside these direct sequels to spider-man 3 mm-hmm. ever since july of 2008 so they were gonna they were gonna do make a spider-man 4 with sam raimi toby mcguire and 
Kirsten Dunst coming back. That fell through. Ultimately, that led to the amazing Spider-Man series with uh, Andrew Garfield and the director Mark Well, Mark Webb, excuse me. And uh, Sony revealed plans to use the Amazing Spider-Man Two film, which came out in 2014, to establish their own expanded universe based on these different Marvel properties um, that they had the right to, including Venom. So they, Sony, they own pretty much all of the Spider-Man characters and all of the associated characters. And then by February of 2015, that's when we found out that Marvel Studios under Disney. And Sony reached an agreement that would see Marvel Studios produce the next Spider-Man film. So this was almost an unprecedented deal in Hollywood history where you see one major studio sharing the rights of a character and allowing another studio to produce the films for them. Because Sony has owned Spider-Man since, I think, the late 90s, like 97, mm-hmm. 98, when Marvel was selling off a lot of character rights. Yep. This was this was something that everybody wanted. They wanted Spider-Man in the MCU, and Sony and Marvel Studios figured out a way for it to make it happen. And because of that, because Tom Holland in the MCU was now going to be the focus for Spider-Man, that allowed Sony to go back to their plans for Venom and to actually give him a solo film. And so those plans were revived by Sony in March of 2016. And then over the next two years, they developed the original film, which came out in October of 2018. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about that first Venom film uh, here quickly. But before we do that, I just want to ask you, man, what do you think it is about Venom um, in particular that, that, that is so enticing to audiences makes the character so intriguing that 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 a major movie studio would want to make not mm-hmm. only one film but a franchise of films around that character in particular man the violence first and foremost um people knew venom as i, I think in a lot of people's heads it was like okay but what if spider-man was was rated r <laughs> and i think venom kind of took that idea in the comics and ran with it uh being one of the one of the more unhinged characters that again at the time that we had ever seen um, um in marvel history and he, he contained a lot of those darker storylines that also involve Spider-Man as well. And, and, and I think people really hooked, uh, grabbed onto that and took and ran with it um, because who else is running around biting off heads, you know, um, and especially uh, we'll talk about it later. But th- this movie in particular takes uh, away from a very specific storyline um, with the, the lethal protector. Right. But and, and, and I think that's uh, and again, I think it's a comic line that people. Just enjoy it. You know, sometimes it's as simple as that. How unhinged can 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 Sony and Marvel be? People already love Spider-Man. He was t- top of the top, right? Uh, and then you're telling me all these other things happen. Venom and Spider-Man can team up. Venom, even though Venom occasionally eats people. And then you, <laughs> you mean you mean there's somebody darker than Venom and his name is Carnage, you know? And I and I, I really do think that character of Venom. People, they just love that. I think so. And, and I, you know, it's easy also for people, I think, to fall in love with weird stuff. And Venom is just weird. Like everyone's weird. like, what the hell is a symbiote? A Klarnak? <laughs> what is a Klarnak? Like, what is what is going on here? Uh, and, you know, and, and when we get the black suit from Spider-Man, too, everyone's like, what the hell is this? This is crazy. I love this happening, again, because a lot of this was unprecedented. Like, things like this weren't happening to Spider-Man at the time. Of course, he had other suits, right? But, like, when, when he gets the black suit, everyone's like, oh, shit. It's, Spider-Man's been hit with the symbiote. So, I really do think, again, people who love that darkness that Venom brings to the table. Um, and they, they ended up loving uh, uh, his personality, too, at the end of the day. Eddie Brock is is uh he's a different dude who was always in the in the Spider-Man universe as well. Um and 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 I think they just they just wrote it well and I think people fell in love with that the dark Spider-Man universe character. 
Certainly. I, I completely agree. I think also one of the things for me that stuck out about Venom as a 90s baby, admittedly, showing my age here, that Venom saga that they did in the Spider-Man animated series in the 90s, mm-hmm. incredible. That yep. was like one of the best arcs that they did in that series. And I know a lot of us like who grew up watching that series mm-hmm. always was like, oh, damn, like Venom is... I, obviously if you read the comics too but also like venom is just like amazing as a character like yeah. let's give a story to this to this character the symbiote that can be expanded and fleshed out over time and it wasn't necessarily a character that that just had a one-off appearance and spider-man has a ton of villains that are mm-hmm. really just like supporting in the most supporting way possible and they'll <laughs> just come in for one-offs like they're not mm-hmm. really meant to have their own like shocker like nobody's really doing like a right. isolated shit. cool villain can be you yeah, know if, if, if portrayed right but mm-hmm. um certainly not one of the most popular but venom obviously came in and really i think took a lot of that thunder uh and and a lot of the times also too i think we like the we like the dark and evil side of things like mm-hmm. we like the dark side of spider-man which is in a sense it's venom you know although it's alien you know obviously the suit comes into play and all these different things and of course you know sony is a studio like they're looking at their most popular characters that they do have and like venom is venom is going to be up there and if they're trying to create a shared cinematic universe and the character sort of walks that fine line of being a villain versus being an being an anti-hero where he could still be like the central focus of a film and you just don't totally detest the character then that also makes sense because now you can produce something Mm. that people can Mm -hmm. still feel some empathy about a character like eddie brock that they can still feel empathy about um, and still root for, although he can at times still do some really heinous things occasionally, mm-hmm. you know, uh, maybe even more than occasionally, which we obviously see in these new films. So it made sense that they wanted to do this. And then we did get that Venom film in 2018. Now, this was a really, really interesting experiment uh, that happened because before that movie came out, there was so much talk. I remember this so vividly about how that movie was going to fail, how the trailers looked awful, mm-hmm. how there was just not going to be any chance that Venom was going to work, especially because Spider-Man was not going to be in the movie. Right. That was really the big discourse. How are you going to make a Venom film without Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. Same thing that they said about Joker. How are you going to make a Joker movie without <laughs> Batman? Batman? And look, yep. look at us now, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that movie comes out, critics hate it. They completely shat on it. 30% <laughs> critic score on Rotten Ooh. Tomatoes. 30%, right? Yes. Like, yeah. that is incredibly, incredibly low. We're talking like, Suicide Squad 2016 territory, Mm. how much they hated it. And that didn't matter. It made so much fucking money. $856 million worldwide on a $100 million budget. $856 million worldwide. Nobody saw this coming. And it was such a shocker, such a surprise. At that time, it was the biggest October movie ever. Mm-hmm. Um, until Joker then um, you know, surpassed that, that record just a year later. Biggest October movie ever. Surpassed many mcu films which had incredible popularity surpassed the guardians of the galaxy movies Mm -hmm. surpassed a couple of the thor movies um definitely the ant-man movies like even the first two iron man movies it made like so we're looking at again just like something that was i don't i really just don't think anybody expected it to do as well as it did i mean even when i went to go see it the first time i'm like I had fun, but yeah. you know they'll be lucky if it, if it can make a, a substantial amount of change. And here we are; it's like one of the highest grossing superhero films ever. And of Crazy. course, that that meant that a you know a sequel is going to happen. And you know we'll talk about that later. That sequel, of course. But what do you think it was about that Venom movie in 2018 that just made it such a such a hit amongst audiences? Uh, to be honest, to this day, I still am not sure. It just has to be the character. That's the only explanation I have. People had a desire to see Venom on the big screen. Um, I remember watching the trailer and one of the things that grabbed my attention is how good Venom actually looked. Um, Just 
if you, you watch the trailer and you're like, okay, what is Venom going to look like? What is Venom going to look like? Because that's the question, right? He has to be CGI. Can't really make this a practical thing. Is what's going to, what he's going to look like? And I seen it. I was like, I think they might have done it. And maybe that also piqued other people's curiosity. Like, we, they already like Venom. I don't know people who don't like Venom, right? So we, <laughs> what, I, I, I think I need more of that in the movies. And I think that's what people did. I think people literally seen that and was like, I want to see Venom bite some heads off. I don't know. We're tormented people. It's terrible. Um, but also great at the same time. But I really, I really do think that's one of the things uh, uh, that got people, man. Especially, I think what you said earlier, how can you make a this movie without Spider-Man being in it? I think that's also a very curious thing. You telling me we get all Venom? You know, it's like he, he's the movie. Like he's actually the movie. I think that's another part of interest that get people uh, people's butts in, in, into the seats in the theater because um, I think that's I think there's tons of curiosity surrounding the movie. I think that's really what happened in the box office. Um, there was enough there to make it happen. You know, uh, you said you brought up it did better than something like an Ant Man. Okay, but how much how much you know curiosity can you peak in Ant Man versus? Venom, you know, like this, 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 this beloved character. So I really do think that was, that was the difference in what got people to go see the movie. It seemed like the popularity was definitely underestimated at the time. Like, I think folks hadn't forgotten, like, oh, Venom is still like super popular. He's Mm -hmm. still one of the most popular Marvel characters out there. So that's one big factor. Got to point out Tom Hardy. And we're going to talk, talk a lot about Mm -hmm. Tom Hardy, but Mm -hmm. the performance is you got to get somebody that buys into that shit. You got to get somebody that's going to be completely committed to this role yeah. to know what type of movie that they're in to actually get you to sit there and laugh at it at the appropriate times, be engaged, all of this different stuff. Um, and, you know, I think I think we're living in a we're living in a big we're living in a big Spider-Man focused era of just like all the stuff that we're getting, whether it's video games or TV series or the mm-hmm. movies, of course. There's so much Spider-Man stuff to engage with at this point, and everybody knows that Venom is a you know supporting ancillary character of the Spider-Man universe, and not everybody is as concerned with universes and what crosses over and who has the character rights to who. Most people don't care about that shit, except like us who are really into it. So when they see Venom. I think that there's just a natural incl- inclination to think like, oh, well, at some point he's going to fight Spider-Man. Like, we mm-hmm. know it's not going to be in this movie because they're not promoting it. But at some point, right. he's going to fight Spider-Man, right? Like, there's going to have to be crossover. So let's go see what what's up with this character for the eventual meetup that they might have. Mm. And then lastly, it was just a good time. You know, I think for most people, it was just a good time. Like, it's not one of those things that, that needs a lot of attention or time. Like, you yep. don't have to go to the movies thinking you're going to have this profound, dramatic experience. Mm-hmm. Most of the time when folks go to the movies, like, literally just go out to the movies and they're willing to pay money for a ticket and to get concessions and they make it a, a, a date night or they go out with friends they want to have a good time mm-hmm. most folks are not going to the movies to to watch you know the latest art house film coming out of a24 mm-hmm. that's just being honest and transparent like it hurts my heart to say that as a film vo- lover but it's true yeah. um folks want to go have you know an, an entertaining experience at the theater and they want to make sure that their money spent is worthwhile and Venom checks those boxes for the most part. So I think there are so many factors, of course, but the the, the success could not be denied. And again, as, as I mentioned, that was always going to lead to further sequels. I think even Tom Hardy signed on for two more um, before the movie even came out. So yep. he always was going to commit to three. And they probably had an early indicator that this was going to be a pretty successful movie, at least successful enough to, to go back to the table and do even more than that. So mm-hmm. um, lots to talk about and think about there as we continue on. Um, but, you know, that's sort of our character recap and background about venom let's go ahead and transition and get into it man let's talk about the latest film for marvel and sony venom let there be carnage (laughs) 
I say either. You I say either. I say neither. And I say neither. Neither. Either. Neither. Neither. Let's call the whole thing off. Ta-da. Catch up. Excuse me. Yummy. Good evening, Eddie. Hey, Mrs. Chen. Good evening, Venom. Function Hall, Mrs. Chen. He says hi. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. I've been thinking about you, hey? Because you and I are the same. Every decision we ever make. Who do we leave behind? And how do we leave them? Waiting in the darkness for the rescuer who never comes. Welcome back, Eddie Brock. It's been a long time. Miss you so much. Delivery hasn't arrived yet. No! We had a deal. What's gonna happen? You gonna stop protecting me? I am happy to eat, Mrs. Chen! No, no, you cannot eat, Mrs. Chen. What? Nothing. Now, this film is directed by Andy Serkis and is written by Kelly Marcel. And, of course, is starring Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, Naomi Harris, Reed Scott, Stephen Graham, and Woody Harrelson. As I mentioned at the top of the show, this movie's coming out a year later than it was supposed to. It was supposed to come out last October, which is interesting to think about at this point. Like, again, how quickly a year goes by. Here we are, October 2021. It was initially also going to come out in the middle of October. But then they decided to push it up based on the success of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. How well that did at the box office. Uh, Sony looked over at Disney and Marvel Studios and said, okay, people are starting to get back to the movies. They're starting to re-engage with the theater experience, the cinematic experience. So they pushed it up um, to this past week. October 1st was the opening and it came out and had a had a very positive response and also had a, a very uh, successful commercial op opening weekend as well that we'll talk about a little bit later. But before we get to that and before we get to our official spoiler discussion, we're going to start off with just our general thoughts about Venom. So if you haven't seen it, you're still safe. You're still okay. Um, so I'm going to pass it over to you, man. What did you overall think about Venom Let There Be Carnage? I would say it's very similar to the first in that it's another good time. You know, you're, you another film, Marvel film at that, you're able to walk into the theater turn your brain off and just have some laughs and enjoy some random good or decent um, um, action, you know, uh, simple as that. Again, this really is a movie that it, it harps on in a lot of ways, it's performances, right? It's actors. You, Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson are all in. That's just, it is what it is. 
they are, and they, these are two actors who are never, they'll never phone it in, right? They, they, they just, it is, they just, they're just who they are. They're too good to just phone it in. And so a lot of the movie is being, being carried um, by how they decide to act on screen. The, again, the performance is amazing. Uh, Tom Hardy returns as both, both the voice as Eddie Brock and Venom again. And it's just, it's just a lot of fun. Um, what I will say is a lot of the film is I'm trying to think of the word. Um, it's just it's just fine, right? Like a lot of it, I think, suffers from um, um, its mindlessness <laughs> that I praise it for, right? I know it's like a bittersweet mm. thing, uh, but I did still expect a slightly more uh, a story that felt a little bit more resonant. I think uh, with me, I just thought, you know, I can have the fun, but still give me something a little bit more to grasp onto, right? Um, we'll talk about it later. But again, this is really a love story between Venom and Eddie Brock. Like, it's literally, literally what it is. Um, and I just expected a little bit more um, out of that in terms of the story goes. Uh, what Another thing I do love about this, too, is is the runtime. I love how it's in and out. I really do. Uh, we... It, Ooh, we talk about it all the time. A lot of movies are just too long. Andy Serkis was <laughs> like, man, we need to get out of here. Um, yeah. and, and we really do that. And uh, it's even been reported, they like had to shoot a couple extra scenes, I'm pretty sure, to like, in my mind, that's to meet <laughs> like the hour 30 threshold. Like, I'm pretty sure Andy Serkis like presented it. And then they were like, we need you to add like two more scenes, bro. Like, mm-hmm. figure it out, figure it out. Um, and, and they did. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. But I still love that approach, especially to something like a Venom, right? Where we don't need to do all this, you know, building. Like, we get Venom, we get Carnage. Let's get to it. And they kind of do that. Uh, another thing, man, I think, I really do think Naomi Harris was great um, in the movie. I think she, I think she was. Um, I wish we had more of her. To be honest, even though we we had a decent amount, but I was like, "Ooh, I like this a lot." Like, I think she's killing it. Uh, and but and besides that, man, the only other thing I'll say um, is that I wish it was rated R. I really mm. do, because Carnage is just a ridiculous, out of control character. In my mind, you know, we were talking, you were talking about it earlier, um, kind of how. Well, I I just think. This should be like the Spider-Man universe's Deadpool in a lot of ways, right? It should be the X-Men universe's Logan. Like, if you're gonna do it, do it. And Venom, they they do it, but but rated R would make them. I think I think it would change so much if if it was rated R to 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 go balls to the wall. Um, and even though again we got a lot of those moments here in that movie, it, the movie being rated R definitely I think would have changed a little bit for me in terms of what I was expecting because. They turned down Cassidy a little bit. They turned down their Cletus a little bit. They turned they turn him down. Um, and, uh, yeah, and for that, again, I was just expecting a little more. But I'll leave it right there, man. Again, tons of fun. Uh, I laughed a lot. Again, I think I laughed here more than I did in the first one. Uh, but still, again, at the end of the day, it's not a great movie, but enjoyable. But enjoyable. A lot of, lot of things uh, that, I, that you said that I agree with. Um, I think that this movie is a resounding success for a few specific reasons. Mm-hmm. One, it achieves exactly what it sets out to do. It's meant to be a deliberate, absurd, over-the-top, wacky movie. From the beginning of the opening credits all the way until the end, you're dealing with really wacky, over-the-top, 
cuckoo characters and it's definitely attempting to be that it's really in the spirit of like a b movie like a movie that you're just supposed to go to the film um at the cinema and just enjoy it's not meant to be this really dramatic experience of course this is meant to be in the spirit of a b movie um a lot of b movies of the 80s and and it's also very much influenced you can tell by um just like the, the 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 sort of like psychological aspects of like a natural born killers which also stars woody harrelson that was mm-hmm. a particular inspiration uh for them cape fear from robert de niro and martin scorsese was another one that they looked at like these really psychological characters that you know are just like so unbelievable in their <laughs> in just like what they do it's just like what the fuck am i watching here like how is how is this person like a real human if they mm-hmm. are right um and how are they doing the things that they do so i think it achieves that you talked about the runtime which is is a really it's it's really important also too because i think with a lot of these superhero films these days the stakes are always just so high it's always a world ending universe ending event all the time and when you do that you typically have these big bombastic movies that take two hours two and a half hours in some cases three hours and they spend a long time developing what's happening with this plot, what's happening with the villain, what's happening with the world-ending circumstances. And this Venom movie, Let There Be Carnage, is just a very isolated and contained story. And that's a part of the reason why it is 90 minutes, because we're dealing with really just two specific characters. Obviously, there's supporting characters here, but we're really dealing with two people, Eddie Brock, Cletus Cassidy, and their relationship and how they come together. Mm-hmm. And that's really it. The world's not at stake. Right. It's two symbiotes fighting. Very yep. fucking simple. Mm-hmm. It's just like Godzilla versus Kong. Now, Godzilla versus Kong, there were more world implications there, but you get the point that yep. we're here to just see the fight go down. That's mm-hmm. really in the same spirit of what it, it's meant to be. Um, you also talked about the love story at the center of it. Did not expect Venom Let There Be, be Carnage to be basically a romantic comedy. Like <laughs> right. That's what it is when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Like It's absolutely examining the relationship between Eddie Brock and Venom and the symbi- symbiotic relationship pun intended, of course, right. um, between the two and how they exist and cohabit and live together and deal with the wants and needs of each other. each other, And the fact that it is a romantic comedy is fucking hilarious. Like, who would have thought that that would have been the angle here? But it absolutely makes sense when you have this human being that has an alien living inside of him that mm-hmm. needs to be fed and has his own desires and all of that type of stuff. Just, like, really unexpected turn on the character and the take that they had there. And Andy Serkis, like, bringing it bringing in that vision and bringing in that 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 humorous aspect really worked a lot for me is this a fantastic movie on a quality level no it's not but that's not what you go to see it for like i'm not going to the movies to see casablanca i'm going to see Be <laughs> carnage like i know what i'm getting here so i think in that respect like it's a huge success mm-hmm. the movie is like as a just a, a movie being you know film critic hat on here like it's okay but as an entertaining piece of film yeah. oh i i think it's i think it's fantastic i think mm-hmm. it does everything it needs to do and the biggest success for me before i close out here is that it's better than the first one and that mm-hmm. you can really say that about many sequels That's like true. yeah is it significantly better? Maybe not, but it is better. I think I think most people agree with that. And I think if you just go into this like with that expectation, like, okay, you're going to get more Venom, a lot more Venom, because we didn't see him for like 45 minutes mm-hmm. in the first one. You get a lot more Venom, and then you get Carnage, and you get some other supporting characters. That's going to be a great time. That's going to be really, really fun um, if they deliver it and execute it correctly. And I think that they did. Like all the slapstick humor, mm-hmm. the performances from Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson, yep. I think they knocked it out of the park. And of course, what they leave us with is just fucking earth shattering. So 
grand time at the cinema for sure it was just a grand time a great spectacle um all of that stuff really worked out well for me um before we do spoilers any other like last minute non-spoilery things about the movie any other things to, to, to point out that that stuck out to you in terms of um just the tone or what they were going for or should we just dive right in uh I, I, what i will say is because they're so short i think watching them back to back would be a good time one day <laughs> that's all oh like, man yeah like that's a good point yeah, yeah, because again, a lot of my, I just want to see Venom all the time. I'm like, where is he? Is he not on the screen? Why isn't Venom on the screen? And if you can watch him back to back, I think that's like, I think that'll be dope um, at some point. It'd be really good to have a double header at some, at some time. Man, that would be that would be <laughs> that would be quite fun and quite the quite the quite the entertaining experience. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, definitely we'll try that out one day uh, really soon here. So yeah, those are our general thoughts. So folks, now is the time we're gonna get into spoilers. We're gonna spoil the hell out of this movie, all the details, all the ins and outs about Venom. Let there be carnage. So if you haven't seen it, pause this now. Go try to check it out and then come back and listen to it. But if you have seen it, you are officially notified uh let's get into it man so we 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 typically do these you know spoiler discussions by breaking down the characters specifically in in the film and you know sort of looking at all the big events and moments that happen with them and of course we have to start with tom hardy he is Mm -hmm. this is his movie right and and in so many regards so um here we are tom hardy with um uh with venom inside of him as eddie brock and they're now existing, you know, on a regular sort of basis together. In the first movie, it was all about sort of establishing how Venom came in contact with Eddie Brock, but now they are absolutely living with each other. And we also know that Tom Hardy, um, a- as Eddie Brock, at this point in his career as a journalist, he's Ooh. not exactly like on the top of the mountain. He's trying to figure out what's his next big story going to be, what's going to put him back on top. Were the literal words that they used throughout the movie, which was, you know, hilarious. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, now Eddie Brock is back on top, very mm-hmm. on the nose. Um, but we're getting this relationship that happens between him and Venom. There's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of uh, disagreements about just how they live and what the focus and priority should be. Of course, like Venom, Venom has to feed himself. He yeah. has to eat. He has to eat humans most of the time because he can really only eat brains and chocolate and chickens. Um, hell of a combination there. So a lot of the times he gets really sick of chickens and chocolate. So he wants brains. That's mm-hmm. like the most nutritional thing for him to have fucked up as it sounds and tom hardy's obviously like no we cannot kill humans like we cannot do that you cannot just <laughs> eat anybody's brain or just tear their head off yeah and so uh there's obviously some tension there but um you know we'll talk about more with like some of the specific moments between these two just like what did you think about tom hardy in this movie like how, how did this performance work for you and and what were your thoughts as you were just watching like the eddie brock character and venom sort of like work out their relationship together it's just insane to me that and when I watch the movie, I'm, I'm constantly thinking, how is this man ad-libbing himself? Um, because that's what's happening, right? It's like Eddie Brock talks, Venom rebuttals. Eddie Brock talks, Venom rebuttals. Like, I can just imagine the process, again, in which it takes to make all the scenes that he's in by himself. That 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 moment we get when he's in the apartment, you know, you're just talking about it. It's like Sonny and Cher, and it's like, the arm, it, my boy's making breakfast and stuff is going all over the place. It's just... Oh, we got to talk about that for sure. Yeah, we definitely got to talk about that. But it's it, it's just really crazy that I, I just love how all in Tom Hardy is. Um, and again, this is this is someone who's Bane. This is somebody who's Mad Max. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is a guy who is really... Um, in a way, he's taking he, he's taking a step down, right? Because you, we we describe this as like a B movie versus Mad Max in Dark Knight Rises can you know can be considered pretty high 
expectation, you know, kind of movies at this point. Um, and, and to be able, I think, to get still 100% Tom Hardy and to see that he's having fun with it, man, I can't be mad at him at all. I think he did a great job. Uh, I think, again, I think he's having tons of fun, which sometimes you can see a lot of actors don't do, especially when they're there to get a check. You're like, bro, are you even like having fun with this movie? Like, are you enjoying yourself? But I, I never had to question that with Tom Hardy, I think, watching this movie, whether he was having fun. So, again, just super kudos to him, man, because he's just constantly killing it <laughs> as Venom. Like, it's, it's just really impressive. Like, can you I, I imagine a cut where, like, you just mute Eddie Brock for, like, a scene, and then you rewatch it again, and you mute Venom for a scene. And you're like, mm. okay, now, the, now realize that that's the same guy. And it's... It'll blow your mind, I guarantee you. But it just impressive stuff, man. Tom Hardy's commitment to this role is astounding to me. How much he is all in on this performance. He's very much, I think it's safe to say at this point now, we're two films in with more to come for sure, that Tom Hardy's commitment and his involvement with this character is now equaling and coming to the same level as Orion Reynolds with Deadpool or as Hugh Jackman with Logan. Like as time went on, those actors became so involved with who their who who those characters were and how they shaped their identities and how they how they shaped how the adaptations were gonna, you know, tell those their stories like so much so that like Ryan Reynolds is, you know, absolutely a producer on the Deadpool movies. He willed that into existence and mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman became a producer, um, a production partner on those Logan and Wolverine films. And I think Tom Hardy is, he's at the same point here. He wasn't really involved in that creative process on the first one, but here he absolutely was like, he had the conversation um, along with Ruben Fleischer um, with Woody Harrelson about coming on as Cletus Cassidy way back when they were doing the first one. And he, I'm sure it was his relationship with Andy Serkis that they already had that allowed Andy Serkis to come in and direct this movie. Yeah. And even Kelly Marcel, the writer, her and Tom Hardy are really good friends. Like they, they're actually like good friends in real life. And so Tom Hardy brought her on. Um, and so we're seeing him really flex that creative muscle behind the scenes to tell the stories that he wants to tell. And he said in interviews multiple times, like how much he's invested into the character and you believe it. And he's obviously, I think as an actor, like one of the things that we underestimate and forget sometimes, like as much as prestige and dramatic movies get the attention when it comes to award shows and, and things like that in film festivals, mm-hmm. when it comes to like actors acting, we can't deny that they love the opportunity to just like do the wildest shit that they can think of, like some really challenging shit. Play play makeup, play make-believe as another person, whether it's putting on a ton of makeup and ton yeah. of prosthetic work or whether it's like diving into becoming another person, like mm-hmm. really getting a chance to like be somebody else and lose yourself in a role. Yeah. And I think we underestimate that. Sometimes we look at these big budget movies, especially superhero films, and we think like, oh, wow, I'm kind of surprised that four-time Academy Award nominee Michelle Williams is in this movie. <laughs> right. But Michelle Williams likes to have fun, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure she likes to have a versatile and diverse career. Yeah. And she's coming in and having the opportunity to fucking also do some similar work where she she has to talk to a symbiotic villain and, and character <laughs> that doesn't exist. She has to talk to Mrs. Chin as Venom in a grocery store. What the fuck? What is that? <laughs> right? But I'm sure she's having a great time. And mm-hmm. so... We forget that, I think, at a few points in terms when we're watching certain movies. But again, to go back to Tom Hardy, just everything he's doing here, he's just balls to the wall. Really, the moment for me that that just sold me on any of this was back in the first movie when he dives in the lobster tank. Oh, like my that goodness. whole scene in the first movie. That's when I got it. Yeah. That like 
that was the wake up call for me in the first movie. It was like, oh, I see what they're trying to do now. Mm-hmm. I I see what we're going for. We're going for the completely the complete absurd at this right. point. Like this is this is like a circus. Um, and Tom Hardy and again Andy Serkis coming in as well with how much experience he has with these types of characters, bringing CGI characters to life. Beast, obviously, man. with what he's done with Gollum and Lord Ooh. of the Rings and The Hobbit, yes. what he did with Caesar and Planet yes. of the Apes, like. He just gets it. He knows this type of story and what it takes to tell this type of story and, again, to make it entertaining and enjoyable. So, um, yeah, Tom Hardy is just a he's, – he's he's an A-plus lister. He's a star. Like, he can do a Bane and be so iconic in that role. Mm-hmm. He can come into Mad Max and damn near not say a word and actually play second fiddle to Charlie Theron but still have a really important role and now he's coming here to Venom, a franchise that he really has stake in, and he's he's putting his stamp down and becoming the the defining actor to play this this specific character. So dope stuff to see. Um, Venom is out here, just I mean, making such a ruckus, living amongst <laughs> Eddie Brock's body. This man is making breakfast, y'all. Like he's making toast and waffles and eggs, and he's singing fucking. Ella Fitzgerald in the morning. You say neither, I say not. Like, what is, what the fuck is up with that? Like, what is going on? He is just having a grand time being basically like Eddie's roommate at this point. Mm-hmm. They have to live together. You know, there's no separating them because he's bind, he's bound himself to Eddie. Um, this whole relationship of living together, this is really where the romantic comedy aspect of it came came to life for me. They're like a married couple, right? Yeah. Like, they're, they're, they have to just like deal with each other and live together and the place is always going to be fucking trash. It's always going to be food everywhere because Venom obviously has no regard for organizational skills, right? So yeah. we're getting them existing in the space. Like, how, how did that whole thing just work for you? Because we we started off just instantly on a ten coming out of the gate with that with that whole experience. Man, there's no way that they live in harmony, right? There's no way that this alien who comes from wherever the hell he comes from, Karnak, and just lives without. Um, creating some chaos for Eddie Brock. And there's like several layers to that, right? One, he's in this a whole entire another person's body. That's like one thing. He's in a whole another completely different planet. That's another thing. He has to figure out what to eat. It's like a whole entire other thing. Again, he my man, my boy Eddie brought this man chickens and <laughs> to eat. But he refuses to eat. He, he named them Sonny and Cher. He refused to eat them because they're his best friends now. And it's it's really interesting to see how, you know, one of my favorite parts of the movie is to see how they change each other. Like I said, it's a romantic comedy. And, like, the, the romantic part of that is, like, how Eddie changed Venom and how Venom changed Eddie. But, like, that's one of the first indications I was like, oh, man, Eddie's changing Venom. He, like, care- he won't eat the chickens. Of course he doesn't want to eat it because... They're not brains, right, or or, or chocolate, but also because it, it, he understands what friendship is. I think now, um, and, and that creates another again fun fun dynamic in the story. So, uh, bro, I just loved every bit of this. Again, it how can you not? They have to be dysfunctional. That's the only way. But also, it's it's so important for for them to recognize how they're both in uncharted territory at some points in time. Um, how. Of course, Eddie loves the things that Venom can do, but Ven- but Venom, but the Venom has to let Eddie know that you have to let me take over sometimes, or else you're not going to understand, right? Or or vice versa. Eddie Brock is like, bro, no, you can't eat them. No, you can't eat that. 
but you can, you know, you can do this, you can do, and, 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 and that's one of the, the best parts of the story. And if it didn't start like this, as chaotic as it was, because they have to fight just as a married couple does, um, then like, what is, you know, what are we even doing here? Because another one of like small Easter eggs is, is when Venom like throws him in the ceiling and he like makes a, <laughs> makes a hole, he makes a whole dent in the, in the ceiling. One of my favorite parts about that is if you look at it, it's like four other dents in the ceiling already. Like, this, <laughs> like, yeah, this is an abusive ass relationship. Hey, it sounds like this is what not the, fuck? the first time that this is happening, and how like unbothered Tom, uh, I was gonna say Tom Hardy, Eddie Brock is about just how ridiculous the place looks. I mean, there's M and M's all over the place because again, he he told him chocolate was like a secret, but I don't think that's like. I think he just told him that so he doesn't people. Uh, <laughs> but it it. it it's just really interesting. It's really crazy um, relationship they have. So again, I enjoyed it, and I, I didn't. I it couldn't have gone any other way in my mind. I mean, we we haven't really seen that opportunity to just like live with Venom. What would it look like for Venom to just have to exist, have a normal life, quote unquote, uh, living inside of Eddie Brock, especially inside of a San Francisco apartment, mm-hmm. and the place is just shit. It's complete shit. It's it's almost inhabitable. Like you can't live there <laughs> based on just the amount of destruction and damage. Like you said, M&Ms everywhere. Roosters are just <laughs> casually walking around all over the place. Holes in the ceiling. How does the how does the super of the building just never come by? Like, hey, heard a loud thump there. Hey, there's it must be. I remember in the first one, the neighbor the across neighbor. the hall wasn't fucking with it at all. As soon Hell as he no. saw the, the symbiote, he was like, I'm I'm done. This has probably happened. I, I I imagine like every floor has come in contact with Venom, and because of that, they're not saying shit to nobody. They're no they're making no complaints. They just got to deal mm-hmm. with it. It's it's worse than living in New York. You just got to deal with the noise here. Mm-hmm. But now you got a fucking alien living below you. You can't say anything because the alien will eat your brains off. So, um, just crazy. Also, uh, you know, this is skipping a little bit ahead, but that moment where Venom like threw his TV out the window, bro, it hurt my, my feelings. I was like, this is this is kind of far. You really tried to like, dig oh. in. You My really goodness. trying to dig in on this man, and you could tell like Eddie was he was very attached to that TV. Um, I'm just wondering like, how much money does he make? That's a pretty big apartment for San Francisco. We like the only he place more old. expensive in the country than New York is San Francisco and the Bay <laughs> Bay Area. I don't know on that journalist salary. I, I mean, I guess he is the man, but yeah, I'm just like that's kind of laid out, man. I don't know yeah. how you I don't know how you could afford that, especially if you um. If you ever plan to, I mean, he tried to do a little bit of cleanup after you know yeah, him and him broke up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd have to hire a fucking contractor to come in there and fix things <laughs> up at, with the amount of damage they got. Like, there's yeah. no way, Bruh, I maybe he hit a lick like after he did the whole Cletus story. You know, oh, maybe man, come on. <laughs> maybe he like got like a bonus and some stuff, man. Because he said that TV was two thousand dollars. I just refuse to believe he bought another one. I just just. Re- the the next day you just you just swiping a two thousand dollar TV right. casually or, that also didn't look like a two thousand dollar TV it didn't look like a two thousand dollar TV I'm like mm, I know technology it doesn't look like what I think it looks like but we'll just yeah. go with it maybe maybe he'd be tripping uh, the dude outside was clearly pissed <laughs> I forgot about him I just thought about it yo he was so angry he was like you thought he was gonna run up in there and like start some shit cause he's he was that angry like you throwing shit out the window yeah yeah I'm, but I'm like you don't you don't wanna go up there you don't know what's happening up there bro like yeah. not at all yeah it's um, ridiculous a lot of chaos, a lot of energy happening, but they're, they're, the the tension is building ultimately between Venom and, and and Eddie. They they are not working together. This relationship, it ain't good. The honeymoon stage is over. The brains have been eaten. 
and now they're in the very they're very much in the stage of like trying to figure out like they actually have to live with each other and deal mm-hmm. with each other and accept each other for who they are and they're still working together they're still trying to figure things out and again Eddie Brock is he's looking for an angle to get back on top he's looking for a way to 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 find a story to break some information that's going to put him in a good position with his work and he's meeting up with Cletus Cassidy who we'll talk about more of course um and Venom is a, is basically able to figure out where Cletus hides all of his victims. Venom is, you know, his intelligent mind is able to piece together the clues to figure out where all of Cletus's villains are. He lays that out for Eddie. Eddie is able to give that information to the authorities and they find these victims and that, that ends up giving Cletus um, the, the, the death penalty from there. Mm -hmm. But because Venom does this, he wants acknowledgement. He wants Eddie to say like, Hey, I did that. You, you couldn't have done that without me. And, and, and Eddie seems a little, he seems he seems a little ungrateful to be honest. He's kind of he's kind of like you know what? No, I'm I'm really tired of you, and you know you you've been just nothing but a nuisance and a peasant for me for such a long time. You take up so much space, you take up so much energy. <laughs> you always want to eat. You're always hungry. You're breaking shit, and they just come to a head and they break up. Yeah. They literally break up. Venom is like I'm done with it. They fight like yeah. <laughs> the fight scene that they have. Like Eddie is punching the symbiote like the symbiote is like <laughs> slowly detaching and showing his head and i mean eddie's losing pretty bad here venom's kicking his ass all over the apartment again very abusive relationship here and eventually venom detaches and they separate and they have to go their separate ways for yeah. a while until they come back together at the later later end of the film but we get um we get some time with venom as he's away from eddie he goes on some adventures I, we know that he can't survive that long without being attached to a body, so he goes and attaches to more humans in San Francisco, but he can't Unsuitable find a match. Yep. Suitable, yeah. They have to be like a match to be able to, like, you, it can't just be anybody. That's mm-hmm. like one of the key attributes of a symbiote. Like, a person has to be strong enough and have certain characteristics to be to be suitable, just right. like any romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. Do these people die after he detaches from them? Is that, is, that, is that the implication that they... In my mind, it's kind of sick. I was like, damn, this is dark. Is he killing people just by latching on to him? I could not. Because he wants a body. In the club, too. I was like, damn. Well, let's talk about that. So there's a rave (laughs) scene. There's a club scene. Um, Glow sticks and all. The fuck was that? Come on. We, we what what was that? I, I listen, if there's one moment in this movie that I just could not get with, it was that scene. It is it is it is, I mean, we saw we saw it in the previews. We saw like glow mm-hmm. sticks around Venom's neck. Everybody there thinks he is wearing a costume. They're like, cool costume, bro. Amazing costume. They're just first of all, they gotta be high as shit to think that that's a costume. Like, no this thing is 10 feet tall mm-hmm. like no no way um but he goes and he's having a good time he feels free and this is like a coming out party right for yeah. Venom. he he takes the microphone the music stops he's t- he's talking about being himself and, mm-hmm. and, and and allowing people to be who they want to be and, and and being able to express himself and i'm like i get the connotation here i get what we're trying to do i get what y'all <laughs> trying to say right here You're like okay yeah there's more more romantic you know vibes and stuff like that here but uh this was the one thing i'm not gonna lie did not work that well for me mm-hmm. i was just sitting there with my my jaw open like that this is really happening venom is ha- he has a dj microphone and he's talking to an audience of people like this is this is kind of like an existential out-of-body experience for me at this point in the movie i was also trying to figure out what was going on there i think you know, they had to find a way 
for Venom to have his quote unquote coming out party, right? They had to they had to find a way to give Venom uh, a therapy session slash win outside of the Eddie Brock territory. Um, and I think that's just the first thing they came up with. Uh, only thing I do love about this scene, I mean, about this scene, I just gave it away as Lil Sims. I'm just happy to see her. I literally <laughs> oh, like yeah. just watched her Tiny Desk concert like a week ago. And then I seen her in the movie and it was like a big surprise to me. I was like, I was just watching on YouTube and here you are in Venom, like the most random thing ever. A whole British rapper <laughs> in a Venom movie. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, I, and I was like trying to think of like alternates to where they could do that. And I'm sure somebody could have came up with something, but I think they just ran out of time or, you know what I mean? There wasn't too many ideas um, of how to separate them and still give Venom that W that he needed to get his confidence back up before he got back to Eddie. Um, but I agree. It was it was also the scene I was like, ah, so uh, now what? Like, okay, I, I get, like, like you said, I get I get everything. I get the connotation, I get where they were going. But I, I, I just think they, they could have found a different way to do it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you, you, you can only color outside the line so much before it's just <laughs> like, this is no longer any type of art this is like what are we doing right now i, I mean it you know i i get it. it it's fun but i'm just like whoa this is this is something else but um you know ultimately they do have to come back together they have to put their differences aside and, and come back together and that, that's really for one reason um and that's to eliminate a threat that's bigger than the both of them and that's going to lead us to talk about obviously the other main character in this movie cletus cassidy Played by Woody Harrelson, who's playing, you know, Cletus Cassidy as well as Carnage. Carnage Man, um, for folks out there who aren't as familiar with Carnage, what what is it about this character that made Sony say, like, this is one absolutely going to be the next villain, you know, the next main villain? Mm-hmm. Um, especially considering that they, did, they didn't use him up front. You know, they decided to go with another symbiote and then bring in Carnage for the second movie. Mm-hmm. What is what is it about this character that just makes this that makes it such a uh, such a formidable foil to to, to Eddie Brock and Venom um, in particular? So Carnage is the actual child of Venom. That is like Loki, his actual son. <laughs> as, uh, as you see in this movie, right? Uh, Tom Hardy gets close to the jail cell, whatever. And um, Cletus again. They start to I don't know what to call it. Scuffle. <laughs> I don't know. There's a word in yeah. there. Um, and he ends up biting a piece of a piece of Eddie, which is first of all I didn't see coming because that's not how it happened in the comics. I was like, did he just bite this nigga? Like, what are we watching? <laughs> I was like, Blade isn't here yet. Um, he bites him, and a piece of the symbiote uh, comes into his mouth. So what happens in the original? A lot of this is really similar similar in the original story. Cletus is in jail, but like it's like a breakout happens and. Eddie accidentally leaves a piece of the symbiote behind and Cletus kind of gets a hold of it. Also, mm. in a way, kind of by accident. Um, it's kind of how it goes. And then that's how he becomes Carnage. But here again, he bites him and uh, uh, fuses with the symbiote and becomes Carnage. Now, what makes Carnage so dangerous is, one, we all know Cletus is a murderer. I mean, he is literally out for destruction. But as as Eddie goes to see him, either you can either say late uh, or the post credit scene in the first movie or early in this one, he uses the word carnage both times. Like that is just that's his shit. He he murdered his his grandma, his mama, as we see in the uh, very PG 
<laughs> PG drawn sequences. Yeah, the hand drawn animation yeah. flashback that they did. Yeah, exactly. very childlike. Mm-hmm. For, Diary of uh, Wimpy Kid. Yeah, for a psychopath. That yeah, was yeah. A for a psychopath, I was like, hmm, why are we making this look so uh, so nice? It's not not. That's as probably nice. how he sees the world. He probably Maybe. sees the world as this really nice and fantastical place, which mm. is like it's his canvas for you know sheer destruction, and it's just like that makes him even more sick, right? You no, know, yeah, that's a very interesting idea. That I didn't think about it. that's some dark. That boy twisted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but uh, again, he is—he's just a fucked up dude. Long story short, and Carnage, the symbiote, being again Venom's son, is very uh, what's the word? Unhinged, untethered. Right? It's like a part of him. It's—it's it's such a small part of the symbiote that it doesn't really have any. I guess qualifications could be the word doesn't really have any uh, qualifications for a host. So he instantly merges. The two two pieces of chaos merge together and create Carnage, the symbiote slash uh, Cletus Cassidy that we know as, as, as Carnage. And it is, that is what makes him ridiculous, right? In the comics, literally Venom and Spider-Man have to team up to defeat Carnage. Uh, another reason for that, again, Carnage at his base, because he's so unhinged and because Cletus is so crazy, because there are no requirements for the host, he's stronger. Simple as that. Carnage is stronger. Carnage can just do things that Venom cannot do. It's, mm-hmm. That's literally simple as that. Um, and that's why, again, eventually him and, him and Spider-Man have to team up against Carnage. Um, and I think that is, again, one of the things I think people loved Carnage when he was introduced. Also... Carnage was only, he was the second symbiote to be introduced, right? Venom being first, and then uh, Carnage came along, and I think, I don't know if stole the show is the word, but I know historically, when when Carnage came out, it was like, so there's a darker version of Venom. Everyone went nuts. Like, it was just the craziest shit that, you know, anybody can ever think of, because then we're entering a darker territory that Marvel hadn't entered in yet. This is a 1993 storyline they're taking this from. Um, And it's like, so, this is what you're giving us, you know, and I, and I think people were really uh, uh, taken back by how how dark that that, that the storyline was getting. But because people love Carnage, again, people start to love Spider-Man and Venom even more. Like it's just shared love across the comic book world. Like this is the shit. Like everyone loves what Carnage has going on. So that is kind of what uh, is going on, and that's why Carnage is the formidable foe um, that we get in this film. Yeah it's a match made in hell honestly like these mm-hmm. two coming together like it couldn't get any worse cletus cassidy as a character all the things you mentioned murdering serial killer psychopath type of individual um very unhinged very unstable in this particular iteration of the character play by woody harrelson we get even more rationale and reason as to why that is a thing for him mm-hmm. because the movie starts off as a flashback we start off in 1996 and we see Cletus and his love, Francis Barrison, also known as Shriek in this movie played by Naomi Harris, they get separated. They take her away uh, to relocate her to Ravencroft, and uh, they now have to live apart. So this one person that he probably felt like understood him, Mm -hmm. that he had a connection with, is now no longer in his life, and he can't see her. And they have to spend their time away from each other. And they also can't probably even communicate with each other. There's no way that two inmates of, you know, insane asylums or things of that nature are going to be able to communicate with each other. So he literally gets her ripped away from him and he has to just exist. 
missed with his love. The one person who uh, understood him and had a connection with him is no longer there. So that just adds further rage to his character. Yeah. That, that that establishes, you know, sort of the foundation and the base for this iteration of Cletus Cassidy. And as you mentioned, Bites Eddie Brock gets a piece of carnage and just raises all hell from there. We we know that again after after they find the the bodies of all of his victims in that one location, um he's sentenced to lethal injection, the death penalty, and you know, some of the some of the family members of victims are, are coming to to witness his death. Mm-hmm. And that is when the symbiote emerges and it just goes completely balls to the wall from there. I mean, the prison break sequence is ridiculous and it's crazy and it's violent and Mm -hmm. it's epic it looks i think the design of carnage here looks spectacular i think that they nailed they nailed the look of carnage they nailed Mm -hmm. the color and the size and just the the pure just like almost disgusting nature you know the 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 the, you know the really nasty and disgusting nature of the character because andy circus talked about how they they really tried to figure out how to how to differentiate carnage and venom how venom is more of a more of a brolic heavyweight wrestling mm-hmm. type of hulking figure and right. carnage is this this more evasive squid like you mm-hmm. can't really capture him you know uh, that that sort of aesthetic to his character and i think that they really communicated that, that well visually so i really liked how that looked but that prison break sequence was just like wild and the the i think the big conversation piece here too with the addition of carnage to this franchise is what you mentioned at the top of the episode when we were giving our our general thoughts the rated R nature yeah. or lack thereof, I should say, of this movie. The fact that it is not rated R. It is mm-hmm. it is very much a PG PG thirteen movie. Certainly gets violent at times. Like it's very much over the top and violent and crazy. But it is PG thirteen and they actively worked towards a PG thirteen rating. Um Andy Circus has talked about submitting the movie several times and getting notes from the MPA saying like, oh, well, if this is going to be in the movie, it's going to be rated R. Mm -hmm. They actively made it a PG-13 movie, clearly to reach the widest audience possible. They want as many people to see this as possible. There's obviously business implications there. I do think that I, I, so I'm of two minds. Like, would have would rated R have worked like extremely well in these moments? Would that have been great to see? Yes, a thousand percent. Like, mm-hmm. let's see blood. Let's not cut away when he is biting off somebody's head or he's just like decapitating somebody. Right. Let's like just let that shot hold. And then at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, this is still pretty violent. Obviously, like the implication of it, your imagination can work itself out, and, and you know, sort yeah. of think about what he might have done there mm-hmm. and that could be potentially as powerful i'm not saying it always worked out that way right because i think sometimes it depends on the just the, the 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 filmmaking in and of itself sometimes like the implied violence of it can be more horrific than the actual violence i think that sometimes it worked here and sometimes it didn't mm-hmm. it would have been nice to see it go further but i also understood coming into this that it was never going to be an r-rated movie even though like deep down i would want it to be i just knew like well they're, they're not going to do that so how far can they go? And they went pretty far at some times. Like, yeah. There was a scene where he stuck, I mean, Carnage stuck like all 10 feet of his tongue down a security guard's throat. And I'm just like, whoa, that's yeah. a lot. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> he's just suffocating him with the, with his slimy ass tongue. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, the whole prison break, man. I mean, just, you know, how did you, how did you feel about how they executed that whole sequence? You know, uh, one thing I was surprised about was the, the tornado swirl. <laughs> that carnage oh, goes in the middle of, yeah of the sales i was like where, that where, was wild i was like where did this come from uh <laughs> um because I, I know symbios can do tons of stuff right um shoot apparently niggas can use the internet whatever uh but like 
<laughs> but, what was that? <laughs> like he just stuck his uh, his hey, tentacles in the internet, and it was just like it's a real thing in the comics. He's done apparently. No way. Hey, so Carnage himself has actually uh, uh, killed people by moving through the internet. Like he has literally stuck his 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 whatever symbiotic Y'all limbs my face right now. I'm, <laughs> symbiotic I'm limbs amazed. into a computer and killed somebody that way. Like on the other side, it's crazy. He's these symbiotes are out of out of pocket, bro. Uh, yeah, that's why Venom be like. There's a lot you. There's a lot you don't know about us, Indy. And you're you sure like, this isn't Vision or Ultron? Like, what the <laughs> nah, fuck is bro. going on here? Symbiote. I did not know that. Yeah, I don't, and and it's funny because I don't know if other symbiotes know yet, or like, or other symbiotes have this potential, right, to do that. But that is like a real thing that Carnage can do. Crazy. I know it's like actually precedent for using the internet. <laughs> it's wild. Uh, but I think you know the jail scene. I I like a, I liked a lot of it, man. I'm just like go. Do what you want to do, you know, um, go this one. One of my other critiques for movies like this sometimes is like I always hope for like one more action scene. Um, uh, like I'm always like, man, I wish I had one more action scene. Um, and I do feel like that about this movie. But this like I, I love this as a breakout scene, I think, um, in, in terms of what we're giving for Carnage. I'm like, just show us how evil and ridiculous this dude is. And they did that. Um, and, and, and for that, I appreciate it. And again, it's. Very comic, very spot on comic ish, right? Like he got his powers during a breakout. It probably didn't look exactly like this. Like he wasn't like, you know, like a whole jail thing, like in terms of uh, after the breakout happens, but shoot, make it inside. And that's, that's what they said. It's like, let's just make it inside. And that's exactly what happens. And I, especially on the brink of death. And like, again, Carnage has has like the, the Venom eyes here where it's like, yep, that's his son. That's Venom's son. Um, there was there's no question. Uh, and I appreciate all those things about it, too. I love prison break scenes and Venom Let Their Carnage decided to say, we're not going to have one prison breakout scene. We're going to have <laughs> two, two of them, yep. because right after <laughs> Cletus breaks out of prison as Carnage, he goes for his love. He goes for Francis, um, yep. a.k.a. Shriek, played Naomi Harris, and he breaks her out of prison um, out of the Ravencroft Institute, I should say, as well. Um, he basically makes this pact with with carnage cletus is like okay well if you help me break her out then i will help you kill eddie brock like Mm -hmm. we can achieve these two things together so they are now actively working together they are on the same page which is just a path of destruction um and they go to free shriek from the ravencroft institute so we should talk about naomi harris here um coming into this franchise i mean love to see her in anything i just i just love her i mean i remember the first time i ever saw her and realized that it was her as an actress was the pirates of the caribbean movies Mm, where she played calypso oh my god which was like and then and then the very next movie what was the i saw a movie with her in just her regular appearance i can't remember what it was Mm -hmm. and i remember matching up the credits and seeing that it was the same person i was like no fucking way like seeing (laughs) that she was this beautiful woman, you yeah. know, this beautiful black British woman, and then mm-hmm. she was playing like this really voodoo-esque, you know, goddess uh character in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And yeah. just from there, I was I was all in on Naomi Harris and everything she's done. Obviously, like she's been a part of the James Bond films. We'll talk about that next week, is Money Penny, and of course her work in Moonlight a few years ago was mm-hmm. just extraordinary. And she's had she's had a really um successful and and fun career here, and she's coming back to do another fun role playing Shriek. Um, again, she she got separated from from Cletus at a, at a young age. They were in love, and at the top of the movie, um, the 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 officer played by um, 
played by Stephen Graham. He's a young officer and taking her away and he tries to shoot her. And that's the first time we get to see her powers displayed. When mm-hmm. she screams, it's going to be it's going to be hell for whoever is in the path of that because you you're probably actually going to die because the sonic yeah. power is just so intense. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to start with this because we, we just got to talk about this now before we even move on. In the movie, she mentioned that this is a mutation, yep. like specifically a mutation. Mm-hmm. Explain that. <laughs> how? How? What? How, how, how are we there now? Like how? Because it, it 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 it's truly a it's a power. It's yeah. it's something she's born with. It's mm-hmm. not something she acquired in a scientific experiment. Yep. It's not something that they just you know nothing it this is something she has an uh, an ability an enhanced ability that she has that nobody else on the in the world has um presumably we don't think and she mentions mutation yeah. um you know where i'm going with this what what is this what are we doing here <laughs> she definitely got that x gene no, i'm just playing uh <laughs> i think this is one of those things that sony can say that marvel can't say um where they're like i think for the sake of this character i think they can use the word mutation I think as simple as that. I think Marvel can't use it yet. They're not ready. Uh, but I think this is literally, there's no other way to explain this. You have to have Shriek and you're not going to sit here and waste time trying to, you know, set her up with something. I don't know, some kind of origin story where she had a freak accident or she got caught by a space rain. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's only so much you can do. So it has to be a mutation. That's the only, almost only way you can go with this. Um, and, and for now, I think it's just that, like they had to say, they had to use the word mutation because, uh, and I think what's so good about it is that it, everyone's ears perk up. Um, and it's, it's more for the MCU wins more than Sony wins there. Right. But, but Mm -hmm. I also think that it's, uh, it's one of those things that they can plant that may be useful later. I really do. Um, because, you know, we haven't got them yet. We'll talk about the post-credit scene and what it means um, uh, coming later. But I, I really do think that's also part of it. Like all things together, they were able to use that word uh, just to get just to get by until maybe maybe something happens later on. And they even go back and be like, ooh, maybe that's what that is. Um the same way again, we talked about WandaVision and this and that. And it, there's like always like a a thing that's a thing that's not really a thing at all. That yeah. it, it's <laughs> yeah. like it, it's crazy sounding, right? <laughs> you're not saying that we fans read into shit too much, are you? Is that what you're saying now? <laughs> well, like, we, we no, that can't be do. it. We definitely do, but uh, but you know, you it, at the end of the day, you just never know because Marvel's so ridiculous and the post credit scene is so ridiculous that we'll see. So I think that's how we're here. Yeah, uh, definitely something something to come back to if they choose to, but not something that necessarily means anything significant now. Mm, I think it's, exactly. it's literally just that, and yep. we'll see what the future holds. I do wish your character got a little bit more time here. Bruh. That's obviously one of the that's one of the sacrifices of ninety minutes, right? Like we only get so so little of her. Yeah. Um, she doesn't have really much speaking pretty much until the end, mm-hmm. like the end fight. Um, that's where she has her most dialogue. She's kind of silent for a lot of the movie. Um, we get a few scenes of her just, you know, sort of existing in Ravencroft yeah. in isolation. She's obviously a damaged soul. And she joins Cletus, you know, once he rescues her from the Institute. And then they just 
again, it just turns into natural born killers. They go on their mm-hmm. path of destruction. They're 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 working together to figure out this stuff, and they start kidnapping people and and all of this to to you know sort of carry yeah. out the plan from there. Body but what's fire. also interesting, yeah, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. But what's also interesting too is that as soon as soon as Shriek enters the picture and she's reconnected back with Cletus. That creates a fraction yeah. between the relationship between Cletus and Carnage. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we see in that other sequence, also another just like tremendous sequence when they go to break her out. I mean, first of all, you know, Cletus just like killing that attendant out of nowhere, and then them getting out and having the car, like her dream car that she always wished for. Mm-hmm. Um, Woody Harrelson is wearing the, I mean, the loudest shirt ever that you can find. <laughs> like yeah. it was just so gaudy. Um, and then they get in the car and Carnage is using, using like the tentacle arms to lift the car off the ground. And, mm-hmm. you know, you got helicopters around trying to shoot them down and it's not working at all. Carnage again, is just like laying out the destruction and Shriek uses her powers, uses the sonic boom. Mm-hmm. And we know that that's just a weakness for symbiosis. It's, it's, it's fatal for them. If it's, if they hear too much noise, they can literally be killed from that. And so Carnage gets angry. He's yeah. He's basically like the next time she does that shit, I'm chopping her head off instantly. It's no questions asked. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so automatically you got you got Cletus. He's at odds now between them. He has to manage those two relationships. <clears throat> that gives us like a clue that Cletus and Carnage just aren't a match. At least mm-hmm. in this iteration, they're just not a good match. Uh, not at least at least not as much as Eddie and Venom are to defeat them, of right. course. Um, so there there's a lot there, and you know that that that'll lead us to like the final battle. But before we you know sort of get to that, like let's talk about some of the supporting characters in this movie. It's not mm-hmm. a lot, but people definitely that had you know little things to do here and here, here and there. Of course, already mentioned Michelle Williams. She's returning. She used to be Eddie Brock's love interest. They broke up, and now mm-hmm. she married somebody else or is about to marry somebody else play um dan lewis played by reed scott we actually find out in this movie that she got proposed to dan proposed to her and she breaks the news to eddie and eddie obviously is awkward about it he's like well you know what do you want me to feel and she wants him to be happy they still communicate obviously um and she's been helpful to eddie obviously since the first movie as well they they helped each other but um she's kind of moving on with her life here and she's with dan and yeah, you know, they're having a little bit of fun, but they also get roped into the plot as well. They have to help out and assist Eddie again. Um, and, and she's also the one that convinces Venom to rejoin with Eddie, to mm-hmm. overcome, you know, Carnage and, and Shriek as well. So she she actually played an important role, as small as it was. She had to go to the the, the, the grocery store and find Mrs. Chin, who had right. been taken over by Venom. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. Mrs. Chin was the only person that could, that could host him at the time. He couldn't find any other host. And she's having this conversation and starts flirting with venom like in the grocery store <laughs> like putting on her sexy voice and i'm yeah. just like oh, is this what we're doing and mm-hmm. venom's like flattered which was hilarious but uh yeah that whole interaction was it was goofy but it was funny to me i liked it yeah man it was a good time i uh i think it i think she's like one of the like the smaller cooler parts of the story because she's like the one person who outside who knows eddie's secret who just remains calm her and and and, and mrs chin like that's like the only two people in the whole story that's going to be calm, um, knowing about Venom. And what what uh, another thing I love about her character is always okay. We may not be in a relationship anymore, Eddie, but now you have a new relationship to worry about. You know, and that's mm. it, and that's like damn, that's like some some crazy stuff to think about. Uh, is like how can you possibly, uh, uh, you know, love me in the way that you did if you can't even love the one thing that's a that's a part of you you know 
Um, and she actively works to get that back for him, which is crazy, man. Yeah. Women will do it. <laughs> Women will do it. Uh, <laughs> they will show up. They will show up. But, you know, uh, I, we'll, we'll talk about this later, but there's like some, some sadness that I'm not sure if we'll see she Venom again. Um, but, mm, yeah. uh, but we'll see, you know, we'll see, but there's like some stuff in the back of my head. I'm like, Hmm, I don't know if this will happen again. I think it, hopefully it will. Right. But it just, we, we got some movies to watch. Yeah. We had two small moments with she, like we had the moment in the first movie, very mm-hmm. quick, you know, where, where the symbiote took over, took over, um, the character's name is Anne. Took over Anne's body, and then we also got the moment here where, again, she's able to to withstand the symbiote in order to transport it back to Eddie, get it back to him, so that they can rebind together. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we'll see more. It it would be nice to, I think, if you're going to continue these Venom movies, which they will. Like, you have to figure out a way to continue to tell in- interesting stories if Spider Man's not going to be at the center of it. Mm-hmm. If you have to bring in more, you know, symbiotes like from other other universes or other planets or whatever the case may be, but she venom is right there. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see. Um, also another character here, Stephen Graham um, is playing Patrick Mulligan, who yeah. is an officer. Um, one, Stephen Graham, really, really good actor. I was mm-hmm. actually like, I was, I was glad to see him in this movie because I actually really like a lot of the work that he does. He played, uh, he played um, Al Capone in Boardwalk Empire and did a phenomenal job. Like, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen that series, like, he did a great job. And he's done a lot of other, like, character roles and stuff like that. He's had a, a pretty successful career here. Um, he's kind of being a dick. He's been, you know, just sort of <laughs> following around Eddie. He wants information. First of all, he wants, you know, information about Cletus's victims and where these bodies were. And he was able to get that. But he's also very suspicious of Eddie. He's very untrusting yeah. of Eddie uh, this entire time. And he very much is, uh, you know, sort of looking over his shoulder, paying close attention to all of Eddie's moves because he suspects something. He can tell that, that, that something is off. And he's also, he was in the flashback scene at the beginning of the movie, he was the one that, you know, he thought he killed Shriek. He thought that he eliminated her um, when she used her sonic powers on him, but she did not die. He did not actually kill her. And so by the end of this movie, we see that she comes back for revenge. So she absolutely has a reason to be a part of this fight as well. Um, and then, of course, like Mrs. Chin, she just, you know, is coming in here. Again, small role, but really, really great role for her to come in and be this ally to Eddie Brock and to Venom and to just be their support and to give them chocolate whenever they need it. <laughs> I mean, who knows how many goddamn M&M shipments she got to have coming into that right. store. Like how much there's just no way she can keep up for his appetite. <laughs> I'm, I mean, she even addressed it in the movie. She's like, yeah. they, they just haven't come yet. Like I have to order more. Like mm-hmm. I can't imagine what her inventory has to be and how she <laughs> has to manage that for this new customer who's taking on her shit every day. Yeah, I can't Imagine you just like a normal dude who wants some chocolate. You walk in Mr. Chin's and she don't never got the shit. And you just like trying to figure out why. And it's like the simplest chocolate. It's like a Hershey bars. You're like, why do you never have Hershey bars? It's like the weirdest shit ever. Um, I can also she needs to up her inventory. She'll make she probably make more money. Eddie's just gonna buy it all. So That's true. She should probably just up her inventory to get a little bit more bank. Uh, but she has to be the coolest lady on the block, bro. She never tells a secret. She does what she doesn't needs to do not to get eaten. She actually acted as a host and didn't die <laughs> on Venom. You know, right. um, she she she's just dope. Mrs. Chen is just low key like one of the low key MVPs of of the entire thing. I wonder what makes somebody capable of of holding Venom. Like the fact that the fact that Mrs. Chen can do it. The fact that Anne can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean may, maybe it's because of the proximity that they have to Eddie. Just mm. the relationship that they have. You know, they understand him as a person. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they can understand Venom as a person. Because I think these symbiotes, like as well, 
they're they're, they're going to enhance a lot of the characteristics of you of who, of who you are you know right. as a person they're probably going to help enhance things like obviously cletus being already murdering psychopath if he gets carnage and you know an equally terrorizing symbiote to match with them that's just going to escalate all of those attributes about him mm-hmm. it's probably similar with eddie so i don't know maybe there's like just this this relationship that they have that they can understand each other that venom can can maybe be able to bind with them and, and, and make it work in some way. I don't know, but it was it was just like an interesting thought I had. Like Venom's able to like easily transport between these people close to him in his life. Yeah. I also want to add that that uh that Patrick Mulligan scene that we get at the end, uh, when his eyes start to glow, right? Um is- Well we have a we so we have a question about that actually. We we I mean we might as well address this since you since you brought it up. So um, Jazzy Two Zs on Twitter asked us. So my question for Venom is, why did the cop's eyes turn blue or whatever color that was yeah. at the end of that movie? And there, there's some some thoughts there. I mean, <laughs> what, what, any any thoughts on why? Because basically, I mean, this is at the end of the battle. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at the end of the movie, and 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 the character Patrick Mulligan, the cop, is he's on the scene and he's trying to. I mean, he's trying to escape. Shriek has him, but, you know, he, he gets saved. He doesn't get killed, presumably, but his eyes change colors, and mm-hmm. they didn't really explore further why, but that's obviously, like, place there's a potential thing to revisit maybe in the next movie. Um, any thoughts as to what we saw in that moment? Yeah, so, as I stated before, Carnage is Venom's son. At some point, Carnage also gets pregnant. First of all, Carnage is just, like, as narcissistic, He's a fertile symbiote. Hey, this, like. this man, this, Carnage is like as narcissistic as you can be. And so what happens is in the comics, this is what happens. He he realizes he's pregnant. I don't know how that works. Like whatever the hell is going on there. Like <laughs> I know, right? Whatever these creatures got going. So Carnage realizes he's pregnant, but he realizes if he has offspring, that it can't be as strong as him. So he tries. Mm. To, so he tries to kill it. Wow, when, what a terrible parent, bro. When when he when he can't kill it, or in the way that he attempts to kill it, he he just decides to pawn it off on the next person that he sees walking by. And, <laughs> and guess who that is? It is Officer Mulligan. Um, oh man! So I think that what happens in the movie, why the officer's eyes start to turn blue, um, is a nod to Toxin who was the third symbiote who shows up in comics, a.k.a. Carnage's child, a.k.a. Venom's grandbaby. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I think what a family affair we have here. Family affair. Oh, man. This is just, I mean, this is a tangled web here. Toxin. have heard of Toxin, of course. That is, that, like you mentioned, that is like the third most famous, I guess, or most known symbiote. Mm-hmm. Now they figured out a way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Now they figured out a way to possibly introduce that character for the next film because mm-hmm. again like if we're not going to have you know spider-man or Sp- spider-man supporting characters then if they're going to continue to go so I-, I just wonder how they'll make them different enough than what we've already seen you know we've we had riot in the last one obviously yep. carnage in this one yeah toxin scream that those those are still on the table how yep. do you make them different enough how do how do they be distinguishable enough so that we just don't get every single movie is like venom versus okay a big batter symbiote like sure right. but what's 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 the key difference here and I, I don't know how they'll communicate that so i'm interested to see where mm-hmm. they go yeah i bet you that's what's on the table right now though right like i'm sure if they're like okay how do we make it as different as possible and if that's not 
one of the things that they're thinking above or thinking about while they're you know developing this and they're in the they're going in the wrong direction we know that for sure definitely well let's back back a little bit before you know we saw that scene so ultimately all of this stuff leads us to the big battle obviously what we paid the money to go see like we want to see venom versus carnage and so cletus and shriek francis are about to get married they're in a church um or in a chapel and they're about to get married they have a pastor like held hostage there you know sort of reading the you know the ceremony and getting them married officially uh very mean uh to just kidnap somebody to do that but they're doing that venom or excuse me eddie interrupts and you know venom is now you know re re binded himself to eddie and they're here to stop here to stop carnage and they they just have it out they have it out in this chapel um and they have like other folks there obviously again shriek is there and she's dealing with patrick mulligan and then Anne and um, Dan show up to obviously provide some sort of support. But it's just like all hell breaking loose inside this church. Uh, overall, I thought it was a great fight. I, I mean, I, I loved like just how the fight was paced. I loved just mm-hmm. like the big the big moments. Obviously, the great moment that we saw in the trailer that we see, you know, Venom, once he see Carnage, like take full form. Oh, shit, it's a red one. Like he just he gets completely scared shitless as soon as he sees one. I wish they talked about that, though. Like what? What was it about the red one, quote unquote, that 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 made him scared? I mean, we can imply like, oh, he probably knows that the, the red symbiotes are badasses. <laughs> like, do not yeah. fuck with them because they are crazy. Mm-hmm. But I wish we maybe got a little bit more to just kind of like showcase why he was so fearful. But ultimately, he put aside that fear and they fought. They were going back and forth all over this church, all over this chapel. Um, eventually, we see that the, the the use of the church bells is start to is st- starting to weaken mm-hmm. both of them really because neither one of them can can withstand sound and um, they're they're trying to use the sound ag- against the symbiotes in order to give Eddie the advantage but they're just going back and forth. It's a lot going on in the scene, y'all. It I mean, is. We're on the roof. We're on the roof of the chapel. We're at the bottom, and I mean it's just so many like so many just like you know characters just kind of running around all, all over the place. But I did think it was a good fight though. I thought mm-hmm. I thought it delivered like what I wanted overall. Like from a visual standpoint. We saw Carnage just do some crazy shit. Like when he got in front of the stained glass window and you saw like 11 different arms pop out of his body. I'm just like, what the hell is this? Like it's, <laughs> it's crazy like visually what they're able to do with that stuff now. So I overall, I was I was pretty satisfied by it. I think I think it delivered on the promise of like seeing Venom versus Carnage. Yeah, I, I love the just the, the look we get at Carnage uh, when he's in front of the the um, church window man, that glass window, and it, you know, it, was, it, it looks like the Vitruvian man, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, you know, just, uh, who, you know, looks like he has multiple appendages, and it's like, you know, talking about whatever that painting is talking about. I don't know 100% what, what that painting talks about, but I just thought it was crazy that they decided um, to kind of display that work in the movie as some inspiration. Uh, another one of the, the such a different thing about this fight is the way it goes down, right? Like the way, um, the way Scream and not Scream, uh, Shriek and 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 Carnage are like having their own little battle. Uh, they yeah. they both are fighting for th- their guy, right? She's fighting for her man, and Carnage is fighting for his host, <laughs> and they're just like <laughs> going back and forth. But this is also like the biggest change to Carnage's character in in the entire movie uh, because. Um, the character is supposed to be again deep bound. Cassidy and Carnage are supposed to be so deep bound that they're inseparable until the point of death. Mm. Um, whereas in the movie, there are several factors that are coming between Cassidy and Carnage, and again, the biggest one being Shriek. And they make it a whole, you know, uh, uh, there's a whole Marvel storyline where Carnage 
is so strong to the point where he disregards all other power to the symbiote. Like, and what ha- what happens is when when they when he says is Shriek, pretty much Shriek gives him an ultimatum, and Venom chooses or uh, uh, Carnage chooses Carnage. Clearly, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Cassie chooses Carnage because he he believes he's that powerful and that Shriek. Is it worth it? I don't know how to explain that. It sounds terrible. But, like, that's what happens. Like, that is, literally, they're literally inseparable. Um, and, again, in the movie, this is reversed. Where Venom is able to use uh, uh, Cletus's love for Shriek against them. Um, and, and I thought that was just a really interesting change in in the way that the that the story would go down otherwise, right? Like, in my mind, if Cletus eventually had been like, all right, Shriek, you got to go. And, like... He kills her off. Like in my mind, I was like, oh my God, are they gonna kill Shriek here? Or I thought they were gonna get rid of her somehow. I didn't know what was gonna go on. Um, but it's, it it was interesting to see see the reverse happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh yeah, I mean it was it was so much happening in that battle, and ultimately Venom is able to overcome Carnage. Um, and I mean, listen, PG thirteen movies, if I'm not mistaken, they get one F bomb. One uh before it you know, it goes into rated R territory. They get one F bomb and it also cannot be like in reference to like a sexual activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and the use of the F bomb in this movie is literally just perfect. It's yep. literally, uh, it's one of the best, it's one of the best uses <laughs> you have. You have Cletus like pleading for his life um, after Venom has already like devoured uh, Carnage, the symbiote. Cause now like Carnage mm-hmm. and, 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 and Cletus have separated cause they're not a match. Venom has already devoured Carnage and eaten him. And Cletus Cassidy is, you know, basically pleading for his life. He's telling, he's telling Eddie that he only wanted him to be a friend. And Venom just says, fuck this guy. And he bites his head. <laughs> <laughs> and it's literally the best. It's the best shit ever. It's like, yes. Yes, if you if you if you if you're gonna use an F bomb, if you're gonna hold it off, man, shout out to shout out to the to to the team for 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 holding that down and making making great use of Absolutely. your one F bomb. I thought it was thought it was really well done. And so yeah, that was really all the conclusion of the movie, man. I mean, after that, you know, they 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 quickly realize Eddie and Venom quickly realize they can't return to a normal life. They can't just like live normally. So. They kind of have to shake out from San Francisco. There's mm-hmm. just been too much damage. Venom has been spotted too many times. He's eaten too many brains. So they got to go on the run, and the movie ends with them two on a beach, which, you know, that'll lead us to our post-credit scene that we'll talk about in a second. But we actually do have a question about Carnage specifically um, from at Broderick. He writes, did y'all enjoy how Carnage was portrayed in the movie, or did y'all feel like they could have done a little better, or was it just enough? Um well, I'll start and say that I think that kind of speaks to um, that speaks to one of the things that we were talking about earlier with just the writing of the film, right? Like being PG thirteen versus rated R. Yeah, I think Carnage, the character Carnage, was I think was done really well. Mm-hmm. I think with the time that they had, I think it was done really well. Obviously, R rating restrictions put aside, I think they did a great job. I think he looks great. I think that the you know the size and the stature of that symbiote, the look of them, the visual effects were all done really, really well. It was shaky in a couple of parts, but I yeah. think for the most part, looked great. Um, I think the bigger issue is probably more in the Cletus Cassidy role of it. To be mm. honest with you, I think love Woody Harrelson, like love him, you know, as an mm. actor, legend, of course, multiple time Academy Award nominee, but he's sixty, right? Like, yeah. 
he's getting up there, and that's that's not a shot to him. But he's sixty. I think I think somebody younger would have benefited from this role more. Mm-hmm. Like of course, like Woody Harrelson coming in having fun, you know, doing a little bit of a throwback to earlier roles he's played before. Like I totally get it. And he's like you mentioned, he's not going to phone it in. He's going to give you what you sign him up to do, and right. he's going to deliver a satisfying performance. But um, I think that we probably could have done with a younger actor portraying this. I don't really know who off the top of my head, but I, mm-hmm. I would have liked to see somebody maybe a little bit more unhinged, maybe a little bit crazier. Um, again, there's so many restrictions with like PG-13 versus R. There's only so far you can go, but I do think somebody different and younger would have benefited from this more than Woody. I mean, he's already establishing a legend, you know, and we and we see we see legends come into these you know comic book films all the time and take up these roles, but for this one in particular, I just feel like more youthful energy would have been beneficial. Um, and one quick thing I'll say before I do end on that note for, for that specific question. Wasn't it weird at the beginning of the movie, that flashback, they had Woody Harrelson's voice dubbed over the young actor's voice. Like, did you notice that? Like when he was speaking to, Mm -hmm. that was Woody Harrelson's voice over presumably like a 16 year old boy. And I'm just like, why would, I don't know if I've ever seen that before in my life. Like, how was that paying attention? A young actor mm-hmm. has his voice dubbed over by the older actor who's going to portray him for most of the... It was... what Again, Woody Harrelson is 60. There's no way... <laughs> there's no way he sounded like that at 15. Mm-hmm. Why did we do that? I, 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 just, I just didn't understand that, why they did that. Um, but I definitely picked up on that when I first saw it, but... That's neither here nor there. I do think that... Uh, I, I, I think that the Carnage stuff was good. Um, could have been more absolutely could have gone further and more violent for sure there was room for that but I think yeah. with what they had they, they did a good job yeah I uh, I don't know I, first of all he the I just I will never forget when I was watching the, the Venom for, first Venom for the first time in theaters in the post credit scene you see Woody Harrelson with this carrot top ass wig on I could for the life of me <laughs> awful <laughs> not figure out awful what we were trying to do there at all oh god i'm like i mean anything is better woody harrelson's not (laughs) having a wig on at all is better like just be bald everything (laughs) was better than that carrot top wig that 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 the man's had on um so we did progress from that to another wig but just not one that looks (laughs) as ridiculous uh i agree i i would have loved a younger actor i think um that would have given purpose isn't the word, but more um, better context to the characters that were given, um, mm. especially given the post credit scene. There are younger people involved now. <laughs> uh, so it's like putting everything in perspective, like why is this dude so old um, playing playing this role? Which again, he's, he's Woody Harrelson. He's going to give you what he wants to give you. But was he the right person still to be casted? I still don't think so. I, think, I still don't think he was the right person. Um, but I enjoyed him anyway, just because, again, he's, he's going to give it to you every time. Carnage himself, I think I enjoyed for the most part. But again, I'm always on the on the on that door. Like, I wish I had one more thing to latch on to something that's crazy that Wild did. You talked about uh, uh, how he like stuck one of his appendages or his tongue down that security guard's throat or whatever. <sighs> and, I, and I wish I just got one other thing like that, you know, but like, yeah, that made me go, oh, my goodness. Did he just do what I think he just did? Like, I needed one more thing like that uh, to hold. You telling me sticking his tentacles into the Internet <laughs> wasn't enough for you? Like that? <laughs> no, it's that not didn't do it for you? No, it's not. <laughs> I need him to like, I don't know, eat a I know it sounds dark as shit, but like eat a, a small child or something. 
Like, because that's something that's something he would what? do. <laughs> carnage is carnage is that ridiculous? <laughs> oh wait a second! Carnage is that You're wild. sacrificing children now, dog. No, I gotta hop off this train. That just took it to another level. Now he said, sacri- hey, let's, let's a, eat a small that's child." That's some dark stuff, though. That's something that oh, Carnage man. would do. Carnage is that wow. demented. He's like killing his mom and his grandma, and is like, dude, I don't know. Go hijack. S- Save that for the animated illustration part of the movie. Or I don't even, want to. Even I don't like want to hijack a kid. He could hijack a child and be, be like a small, a small carnage, <laughs> small kid oh, carnage. Like we can have baby it. carnage. I think that would Yikes. go crazy. It's like Jack Jack, but bad. Like an evil Jack Jack. Oh I'm I'm down to watch that evil Jack Jack. Um, you write the movie next time. <laughs> you, these demented ideas, goddamn it! You you write the next. Yeah, one. I, just, I I just wanted one more wild thing to happen, um, and I, I would have been good, but. Uh, that's I, I think I would have again just appreciate a little bit more relentlessness. I think is what I'm trying to say. Um, out of Carnage again, talking about that kind of that uh that switch between how Shriek worked in this story, kind of changing the narrative versus before. I actually don't mind that part, but like if, I think if you give me one other thing that's like, damn, Carnage is like that big of a threat. I think I would have been like, yes, they did Carnage perfect. But I still enjoy Carnage overall. Again, I, lo- I love all the scenes we're in. I I still can't believe Woody Harrelson. Slash Cletus Clay bit the man, and you see, like, he like drew blood. Like, my boy bit him, and there's like blood on his mm. mouth. I was like, still can't believe that happened. I thought that was crazy. Um, and it, it kind of went a little understated, a little bit. Like, I was, I was looking around the theater, like, did nobody else see this nigga become a vampire in three seconds? Uh, I, <laughs> I thought that was wild, but um, I, I, I'd say it was enough, you know? I, I, I say it was enough, and I'm okay with that. Should we talk about the post credit scene? It's time. It's time. All right. Well, I I should say uh, we don't do this, but I got to do it now. This is another spoiler warning because it might be some of you out there who like oh, I don't care what happens in Venom. Oh, you know, you I, I'll listen to the spoilers. I'm giving another spoiler warning just to just to cover our bases. <laughs> Make sure. Like you truly don't want to be spoiled for this if you haven't already seen it. So just another spoiler warning before we enter into this post credit scene because this is major, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you have been warned. Damn. Damn. Um, well, before, uh, we'll, so we'll we'll talk specifically about what happened. Just quickly. Yeah. What was your reaction? This this moment officially took us into the MCU. We officially see mm-hmm. Venom enter the MCU by all accounts and purposes. Just at the at the drop of a dime, he is now in that universe. I mean, just quickly, what was your reaction as it was unfolding? Usually, I'd be yelling, but I was in so much shock. <laughs> That I just sat there with my mouth open in silence. I mean, flies in and out. Like, (laughs) I just could not believe what I was seeing. And I think from from all of the the nerds, right, the people who are actually in the news, who, like, actually understand what this moment meant and what was going on and why it, like, low-key doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was just it was just really something else, man. That was my reaction. I, I was taken back to where I, I didn't even yell. Usually, I'd be yelling at the screen, oh, but I didn't say a word. I, I was that surprised that I, I, there was nothing for me to say. Well, we have a diverse range of emotions because I was that person that yelled. <laughs> I, I, I literally, as soon as, it, as soon as you see... Jay Jonah Jameson on screen. I said, "Oh!" Like I <laughs> yelled out loud. Like it was, I couldn't contain it because yeah, bro. You you think that's what it is? Mm-hmm. Like as it's building up, hey, you're like, "Are they knew. doing it?" 
Yeah, one girl behind saw, us who started pointing. She was, I was pointing. Like, what yeah. is she looking at? <laughs> I'm like, she she did not take her eyes off of that TV set at all. Uh-uh. She sees because there's a moment where you it's on the TV set, but you your eyes don't gravitate towards that. Yeah. Your eyes gravitate towards Eddie's reaction first. But her ass behind, yeah, she didn't take her eyes off yeah, the TV. She, she knew. knew she was ready. I but I I literally belted out because I just couldn't believe that they were doing it. I mean. Mm-hmm. I, bringing us into that moment, the, the end of you know Spider Man Far From Home. I, I mean, literally, and then we looked at each other. I can attest, folks, like your mouth was indeed wide open, like, <laughs> and I was my eyes damn near fell out of my head. Like we were just sitting there, uh, just in awe, just in awe of what happened. So um, l- let's talk about the specifics here. So again, Eddie and Venom are you know on the run. They left San Francisco, yeah, and they are now on a vacation in a tropical location. It looks like they're on vacation and they're sitting in a hotel room and they're watching a telenovela, um, a real one at that. Uh, <laughs> confirmed that by my girlfriend. That is a real mm-hmm. program really? on TV. Um, so they're watching that and Venom begins to explain to Eddie that symbiotes have vast amounts of knowledge they they know so much information they're all over the universe yeah. and this is actually you know something that's similar to the comics too because symbiotes have like this hive mind sort mm-hmm. of mentality right like they yeah. all they all sort of share consciousness and information to an extent mm-hmm. and so venom begins to explain to eddie like oh, we know so much stuff like if you knew everything that i knew your head would explode your tiny brain he referred to it as mm-hmm. would explode and and he's like, nah, tell me, like, I want to know, like, tell you, know, share your knowledge, share your information. And if I'm not mistaken, because, you know, forgive us, we, I've only seen this once. Venom specifically says he has vast amounts of knowledge of other universes or something to that extent. He says mm. that type of language, like he knows about other universes and stuff like that, because symbiosis exists across, you know, mm-hmm. many different universes and things of that nature and after you know eddie convinces him to show him this information show him something that he doesn't know venom's like okay i'll show you a tiny beast i'll I'll show you a little bit of knowledge and instantly from there we get this this weird time visual warp that happens the colors change all of a sudden like there's a beam of light coming through the hotel room yeah it almost looks like the Wizard of Oz mm. in the house when they're in the tornado. Mm. It almost kind of looks like that, but you get that beam of light that comes in. The hotel room completely changes. It's the same. It's the same room, but it's it's cleaner. It looks more vibrant, and the TV. What's on the TV changes, and and Eddie gets up, and Venom screams out, "What? What was that?" And Eddie's looking around like, "I don't know. Where are we?" And it's again, it's clearly in the same room, and then on the TV we see. J. Jonah Jameson revealing that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. The same exact footage that we saw at the end of Spider-Man No Way, or excuse me, Spider-Man Far From Home two years ago. That same footage that ended off in that mid-credit stinger. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that unfold. Eddie turns into Venom completely. Venom looks at the TV screen and he says, that guy. And then licks the TV screen as we see Tom Holland's Spider-Man on the TV screen. Again, in New York City, as the news of him being revealed as Peter Parker is projected to the world, something to note here that's new and different. Yeah. At the end of Far From Home, as we see Peter's reaction to that, we just get the moment of him grabbing his head saying, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And he still has his mask on. In this moment, he has his he mask off. off. Yep. Which is like, that's new. That's different. We didn't. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen that before. So now he... Uh, it looks like that Peter has no reason to hide anymore because mm-hmm. everybody knows who he is, but he's 
actively making the choice to reveal himself. Um, sure, there's more to come to that. We also know that No Way Home, the movie coming out this December, we also know that that movie is presumably going to take place in that same exact moment. By all accounts and purposes, like the trailer showed us, like it's probably going to pick up exactly where Far From Home left off. And then um, after that, you know, the, the guy who's standing in this hotel room that's in this different multiversal timeline comes out and he's just like, what the hell? Who are you? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they just Eddie just looks at him and he's sitting on the floor and then it cuts off. Um, I, I mean, where do we start? It's so where? many implications here. Um, obviously, we talked about our reactions and how just astounded we were to see this. Um, I mean, let's start here. What happened? What is this? Is is this clear setup and a clear indication that Venom will be in Spider-Man No Way Home this mm. December? Is that what this is? Mm. Or is it just more of an indication to say, hey, this is an opportunity to, 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 to have the two characters maybe meet to set up something future down the line? Because this could also equally mean... Peter Parker comes over to the quote-unquote mm-hmm. Venomverse at Sony because yep. we know that Sony still owns the character rights in live action. Um, and, and this contract with Tom Holland and the MCU and Marvel Studios, he has the Spider-Man movie and then apparently has one more appearance in a, in a, in a team-up movie. Yeah. And then he's done mm-hmm. um, unless they re- renew a deal. But this could equally mean just as much of, of that as, as the former. W- what do you see this as after, after we witness what, what unfolded here? You know, it's so hard to tell what exactly it is i think on one hand there is part of me who wants to believe that no way home is happening part of me wants to believe it right i mean how how could part of you not want no way home to happen we already have a spider-man rogues gallery out the wazoo and uh, again presumably or what it looks like is that uh, a version of the sinister six could be forming but that could that could not be true. It could be true. But how could part of you not want Venom to be the sixth member there, right? Like, how can you not see that and be like, man, Venom, Venom being in that movie is we thought this movie was already on steroids with what we were given. Venom being in the movie is, I mean, I think we're talking about, I mean, numbers on the board, not like Infinity War going oh, yeah, to the up movies. Yeah. In game like, numbers. Like niggas are seeing the movie if Venom like if if it's confirmed at some point that Venom's in the movie. Well let me just ask you, is this is this the biggest outside of Infinity War and Endgame, is this the biggest movie that Marvel Studios will ever make up until this point? Like, have we reached a fever like if if all is to be true, if we're to yeah. assume we know that Alfred Molina's Doc Ock is in it. Mm-hmm. We know that Jamie Foxx's Electro is mm-hmm. in it. We know that some version of the Green Goblin, likely Willem Dafoe, is in it. Yeah. Plus other villains that have been rumored, such as Lizard. Mm-hmm. And then the big, the big, the big rumor of it all that's still obviously yet to be confirmed, but right. it, folks, it's happening. <laughs> Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire um, I, are in this fucking movie. <laughs> I, I'm telling people now they're in this movie. Right, I, I, I'm ready. I will put money on it. They're in yeah. this movie. So, in the slim chance that this all turns out to be 100% true, adding on the venom of it all, yeah, are we at that level now? Like Infinity Game hype and, yeah. and peak, just peak fever pitch of just like the anticipation that people have for this. We are. Uh, we're there. We're the. This is the Avengers movie without calling it Avengers. That is, uh, you know, and I think. 
in the in the in the I don't know what the word is the quietness right of the past couple of years after Endgame. It's like everyone's questioning, right? There's no Avengers movie on the table. We know X-Men and, and Fantastic Four are coming at some point. What is the big bang with Marvel? They need one. It's been years, right? And I think this is they're 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 trying they're, they're this is it. I think we're here. Um because if you add Venom and Tom Hardy, again, this is adding to the all kind of crazy Alfred Molinas and if Willem Dafoe's in this damn movie, y'all, I need y'all, like, this is, it's, it was going to be bonkers. Um, and it, it's going to be one of the craziest things we've ever seen if all this turns out to be true. Is it possible that Venom's not in this movie? Yes. It's, it's actually very possible he's not in this movie. Is it possible? True. He, he could be in a post credit scene. That's very also possible. True. I have, yeah. like, there, I have, there, there's two theories. One, Eddie Brock is now in a place that he's in a universe that he doesn't know. And he has to get home. Who can help him get there? This dude on... I'm, I'm sure there's some kind of something that point all everything points to Spider-Man on his way to get to the universe of his own. And then we see in the post credit scene, Venom is licking the screen. He wants him a piece of Spider-Man, bro. He's like, oh, we got to fight him. <laughs> you know, he's like, I don't I don't know what's going on there. It was it was it was something else. It was something different. But it's, it's clear that he wants him a piece of Spider-Man. Um, and I think that's really important to know, too. That uh, he he wants to fight him, but it could also be his key in order to get to the universe he's from. My mind is racing, bro. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I, so I much. agree. It's 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 still very possible that he might not be in this movie. This just might be another play from Sony mm-hmm. as a as a company to do what they need to do in order to 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 make Venom a must see character in a must see movie. Yeah, right. Go, moving forward, eh? and he. I mean, that post-credit scene absolutely makes that the case. Mm-hmm. The other side of me is saying, based off of what Andy Serkis just recently said, this post-credit scene was just put together very, very recently at, yeah. the, at the ninth hour. Mm-hmm. This was not something that was planned and thought out. I, I even had that question for you when we walked out of the movie. I was oh, like, yeah. man, this movie was supposed to come out a year ago. Imagine seeing that post-credit scene and having to wait another year for mm-hmm. Spider-Man No Way Home to come out. That would have been torture. Well, turns out they didn't film this a year ago. Right. They filmed this like very recently, maybe mm-hmm. in the past like few weeks. This mm-hmm. was like the last thing that they did, which to me... I don't know, kind of indicates like he has to kind of be in that movie, right? Yeah. Like this has to be a decision to say, okay, Sony, we have to tread very lightly what we're going to give people here. Right. Like we have to give them something because like there's so many rumors out there. Like mm-hmm. they, it's almost like a gimme. Like they gave us they gave us the Doc Ock in the trailer because right. we all knew Doc Ock was going to be in it. He so let's it. just confirm it. Mm-hmm. And, right, he, he spoiled it himself. So let's just confirm yeah. it and just put it out there. Yeah. So you know that there's some multiversal shit going on. This just might have been another play to say, let's give them something else. Like they, they're very suspicious. The mm-hmm. audience is very smart about what's happening here. Yeah. What else can we do to confirm but not confirm that this is the direction that mm-hmm. we're going? Here's this post-credit scene that all of a sudden just comes out, and it's just like, wait a minute now. This this takes it to a whole nother level. This definitely ups the ante. Um, so it, I I do think it's actually very possible that he's gonna be there in that movie because the case of they just shot this recently and also the case that we're seeing footage of Tom Holland that we did not see before. We're seeing yeah. that footage of him with his mask off. That's a very mm-hmm. specific thing to show. Yeah. Presumably that's going to be in Spider-Man No Way Home when we see it in, in, in December and, and and somehow that'll tie, tie back. Now, all, all of that said, I the bigger the bigger conversation that I want to have about this, it, one, is from a, 
I guess a, a Hollywood studio perspective, like the fact that Marvel Studios and Sony are yes, like, we gotta talk about this, it, right? Mm-hmm. This is it's it's not unprecedented because studios have like figured stuff out like this before. They've shared characters and crossovers have happened, but this is just a different. This is yeah. a different thing, right? Yeah. We're talking about the MCU here that has. 25 going on 26 27 movies worth of lineage multiple mm-hmm. tv shows this is phase four which is completely diving into the multiverse the low key of it all we've talked at length about that and the multiverse and how that works out variance is very much a reasonable explanation as to this like because to who's who's to say that the Topher grace incarnation of venom isn't still a thing and mm-hmm. not saying he's gonna be in the movie but that's an easy explanation to say like well this is just a different venom this is a venom variant right like yeah. But the bigger conversation about Sony and Marvel and what they're doing here, I mean, this is just like a symbi- symbiotic relationship, again, pun intended there, of two studios figuring this out all mm-hmm. in real time mm-hmm. with these massive, massive characters building towards this epic crossover event that really, really, truly has the potential, especially because it see- seems like you know movies are getting back to the business that they used to do before the pandemic. People are going back to the movies more. Hey man, I would not be surprised if we're talking Infinity War level numbers here. Yeah. You know, in game seems it's hard. I mean, that seems that seems kind of out of reach. I'm yeah, not gonna yeah. lie, but I Infinity like Infinity War is possible, bro. Like billions of yeah. dollars potentially on mm-hmm. at, at stake here if this all turns out to be true. I, it, yeah. it all depends on the marketing, but I mean, just from a studio perspective, knowing that the the deal that they have is coming to an end very soon here. What what does the future hold for all of this? Like. Is Sony just priming and prepping their way to take Spider-Man back to bring him into mm. all the plans that they have? Mm-hmm. We know a Craven move-in is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, movie is coming. We know that Morbius is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, Silver and Black is still in development yep. somewhere in the pipeline. They're building out a Spider-Verse for sure. And they're mm-hmm. not giving up Spider-Man like in no reality. Um, is there a further relationship that can be cemented with the MCU to keep Tom Holland in the MCU to keep keep this growing? I don't, I don't know. I, it's just so many questions, but I, I guess I'm just raising all this to say like what do you make of just this relationship that they have and what they could potentially be building towards and how crazy also is it that Venom has now become, at least right now in this moment specifically, has become almost as important as Spider-Man as mm. a character. It is so, so, so important because it. I think it changed, first of all, it changed Sony and Marvel's relationship forever, right? I think uh, being able to work out such a deal, to work out, again, such... Of course, it's Spider-Man, first and foremost. But now Venom, like, Sony's been holding on to Venom. Like, that's the thing they've been holding on to, right? Like, by... And now, the Venom's in the MCU. It is it's just wild to think about the, the implications that that means. Because now, what it means for Sony... I think Sony is realizing they have nothing to lose. I think they're, they mm-hmm. are. No, if MCU asked for it, why not give it to them? <laughs> I think mm-hmm. that's like, I think there's one thing Sony's like, yep, you're right. <laughs> what? We have nothing to lose. And, and, and I think they're doing it. Of course, they have their own money to make, right? But I think that's, that's the point of a deal. You make money too. Like, everybody eats. And I think Sony's starting to realize that. Um, but I also think this means more uh, uh, also for the way Maybe even even Universal talks about the Hulk right now. You know what I mean? Like maybe, yeah. Like now, there's just so much that I think everyone's thinking about now. Marvel can go to the table to Universal and be like, "Look, we gotta talk about the Hulk, bro. Like we have to talk about it." And I think yeah. they'll come with the same game plan that they talked to to to, um, to Sony about. Universal has nothing to lose. 
nothing. Nothing to lose. They are Marvel is doing more with these characters than Sony's actually doing. Sony is only winning from whatever comes out of No Way Home and this whole Venom thing. Then because oh, Venom, it's just a win for them. You know how crazy Venom 3 is gonna be now? Venom 3 is gonna be actually ridiculous. Is that what Venom 3 is? Is it Spider-Man versus Venom? Is it has that, to is be. That, well, it, answering one of the questions we have, Tony, 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 aka Antonio, happy birthday again, ask. Do y'all think Venom's look will get an update with the iconic white spider after the character feature interaction with Spider-Man? Which, again, Venom has, well, the, if you ever, if you just type in Venom, he's going to have the spider on his chest, the white spider on his chest. And he gets that uh, between, because the symbiote attaches to Spider-Man and reattaches to Venom. And then after that happens, the, the spider appears on Venom's chest. It has to happen. We don't know when it's yeah. happening, but it has to happen. If that's in the third movie, or if that's in No Way Home, Venom... Sony wins, regardless. There's no L that's taken there. Because if it does happen in Venom 3, which is a rumor, right, that Tom Holland's appearing potentially in Venom 3, who knows? Either could be right, but it, it, it's going down. And I think that that is like one of those relationship things that I think is crazy that that uh, that this, this agreement has created. Um, because th- you start to think about stuff like that, like, damn, Spider-Man, Venom 3 might be really crazy. Spider-Man's in it. <laughs> what if Carnage isn't dead? You know, and the, the team up has to happen, you know, or you know, or something else is going on. It's it's just so much to think about. One thing, and I I want to get your perspective on this too. Um Tom Holland as Spider-Man has been just just strictly the character, not even thinking about the movies, but Tom Holland yeah. as Spider-Man has been damn near pitch perfect. Like yep. just Everything about him, everything about his portrayal of that character has just been incredible mm-hmm. from from beginning to end. And a lot of the the focus on this iteration of Peter Parker has been the relationship that he has to these other Avengers. Mm-hmm. In the first movie, the very deep and profound relationship that he develops with Tony Stark. And then we see, you know, more of that happen with Nick Fury in Far From Home. We're seeing Doctor Strange, of course, coming into No Way Home. Another care I forgot to mention Doctor Strange and how important he is. Yeah. Multiverse of Madness is coming. Yeah. Um, and the relationship that he's going to have with this character already established in Infinity War and going to carry over into this movie. This version of Spider-Man, specifically Tom Holland, works really well in the MCU. Does he work as well outside of the MCU Mm -hmm. on his own devices? Does he work as well as the neighbor friendly neighborhood friendly spider-man that just is you know dealing with criminals in manhattan (laughs) we haven't seen everything that tom holland spider-man has done has been fucking intergalactic Mm -hmm. type of adventures like we're talking about mysterio who you know was like fake multiverse stuff but dealing with like incredible intense tony stark technology uh you know no way home he's dealing with vulture and again somebody who's taking like alien technology and selling it on the black market and (laughs) you know then obviously what happened in Infinity War with Thanos and Endgame, like this version of Spider-Man has just seen it all. Um, we haven't gotten that neighbor-friendly, neighbor, I keep saying neighbor, that neighborhood-friendly Spider-Man. Um, and it surely as hell cannot happen in No Way Home. There's just no way. Right. Not with the way that this movie's set up. This mm-hmm. is this is interstellar type shit. Um, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm curious, I don't know if he works as well outside of the, the confines of what's been set up for him. I yeah. think the reason he works so well is because of how much he plays off of these other characters, how mm-hmm. he has to be this young teenager figuring it out. And like, he's in over his head, obviously dealing with all of this, just massive, massive 
large scale shit that he's mm-hmm. not equipped for, but figures it out, of course, and he yeah. becomes a little bit older and more mature as he goes along. I just don't know how that works in maybe something that's a little bit more small scale, a little bit more isolated outside of the MCU thus far, and not having all those other characters to, to play off of, not having the the Doctor Stranges and the Nick Furies and the Tony Starks to play off of. Now he has right. to deal with maybe Venom and maybe Craven, you know, down the line when mm-hmm. they do that, or or Morbius. Um, I'm just the tone is yeah, really that that's that's I don't mm-hmm. know I don't know if it works it's like look at the tone of Venom what the fuck yeah. that's completely different than Tom right. uh, Tom Holland's tone of of Spider Man mm-hmm. I just don't I, I visually can't see it now even though I feel like that's exactly what Sony wants to do yeah that's how I know Sony's living in the moment though they're not they probably not even thinking about what you just said I know they're not because this whole post credit scene was let's just make it and figure it out later like you just said we just got shot a couple weeks ago I. And there's no explanation, right? Like nobody knows what trickery <laughs> was used yet to get them uh, in, into that universe. Was it Venom that did it? Was it? Um, I think there's like small details that are different in in the uh, in the Far From Home scene than the scene that we see in this post credit scene in terms of the newscast. What if it's like at the next day or a couple of days after? What if this is like? Exactly. I was wondering that. Yeah. What if, yeah. What if this is like exactly what happens after the Doctor Strange in in Peter spell? Right. What if that? What if like the spell happens and it's like a not a Groundhog Day, but it's like a new day. You yeah. know, and like that's how the day starts with that Joe Jane Jameson uh, uh, broadcast. And then oh, and that would be weird. And like yeah. Venom, and like that's what also breaks another part of the multiverse. And Venom pops up in that universe after the 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 spell goes down with Doctor Strange. That could happen too, you know? Um, and so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just really interesting to, to think about like which different ways they can go. But I just know Sony's living in the moment. Uh, and I think playing, it's it's really interesting also that even though the, the tone is different between Venom and the Spider-Man movies that we get, that like I'd be, I'd still, you know, be willing to see what is, what is Tom Hardy in, 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 uh, and Tom Holland have right the the mm. the merging of the Toms in a movie. If I think if we can get something interesting in maybe a movie that's not Sony, right? Let's see what the Marvel version of that looks like. I'm willing to bet that they bring in a lot of people for the next Sony movie that Spider Man's involved in. It still be a Sony movie, don't get me wrong, in a Sony verse esque movie. But I think they'll bring in a lot of people to try to make that dynamic work as best as possible. Even though, you know, like you said, the tones are way different, but. Who knows? That's another character he can play off of, depending on what's happening. I think if it really is a team up with Venom, I think it'll work. Now, if it is a small scale kind of story, um, which we did ask for at some point, by the way, when we were talking true. about it, we did say we wanted a smaller scale Spider-Man story. Very true. Um, then I think they have a I, I still do think that's a bigger challenge for them because you have brought this character so high. How can you scale it back? You know, right. how, how do you scale it back? How do you pull back the curtains and allow Tom Holland and, and Tom Hardy to work kind of in, in that same vein? Um, but they I, I sense comedy in my mind if they team up. <laughs> but if they're not teaming up, it's like, damn, OK, what does Tom Holland have to wrestle with in his movie? What is what is uh, Tom Hardy has to wrestle with in his movie? But I think I think it'll be interesting regardless of what they decide to do. My brain is broken on a few other small things. You mentioned one, um, the fact that in the moment that Venom and Eddie get transported over to the MCU and they're watching the broadcast, Mm -hmm. that broadcast happened at the end of Far From Home. However, if we're to presume 
based on the trailer from what we saw, that the moment that the quote unquote multiverse breaks, it's when Doctor Strange casts the spell and it goes awry, which mm-hmm. would absolutely be after the events of Far From Home. Maybe it's just a small thing, like you said. Maybe it's just like they're rebroadcasting what happened like a couple days ago. It mm-hmm. could that it could be just as easy as that. But that one thing just like left me a little confused. Another thing that leaves my brain broken about all of this: <laughs> Alfred Molina, and I'm, I'm we're going all sides of this now. Alfred Molina is back as Doc Ock. Yeah. How he died in Spider Man Two? Mm-hmm. How how was he over here? Like, and and you said the whole like resetting of the day that has me thinking like well maybe that's what it is like yeah. maybe that literally just like resets strange broken. time and that's how the because yeah he died electro died goblin died how are these people alive that's even if they're getting broken. transported over from these yeah from these other universes the last thing that really has my shit just melting out of my ear <laughs> we haven't seen the movie but we have seen the trailer for Morbius. And Michael Keaton's Vulture yeah, is in Morbius. Absolutely. How the fuck? I, 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 how does that work? I, I just don't understand. Like, so is Morbius just already naturally in the MCU? Did did it not take a multiversal event to right. bring him into the MCU? Mm-hmm. Is that a variant of fucking? There's just no way. There's no way Sony's thinking like that. There's no right. way they're dealing with variants at this point. But it. Presumably, it would already seem as if these two universes coexist based on that, just based on seeing that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, based on seeing the fact that Adrian Toomes is in Morbius and he's yeah. also in Spider Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. These are technically what we thought two different universes. However, that would indicate otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, what is so significant about the Venom of it all? Like, is Venom in a separate universe than Morbius? Maybe that's what it is. Mm. I, I just don't. I just don't know. I just, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if all these details will even be worked out. You know, th- yeah. this might just be shit that we, that never gets any explanation. It's very possible, but that also just left me confused. So I, I really have no questions or even like further opinions about it, but those <laughs> things just had to be said. Cause I'm just like, what? Yeah. Make it make sense to me. Mm-hmm. I remember that happening too. Seeing the trailer and being like, Vulture, hello, Michael Keaton. Uh, and Morbius, you're you're right. I'm like that dude was in the MCU, bro. Like that's a whole MCU movie. I remember that was a whole conversation, <laughs> whole conversation. Yeah. Um, and I also remember that in the in the Morbius trailer, you get that uh that wall where Spider Man is as murderer on the wall. Um, yes. You know, it's like a picture of that. So I wonder if like Loki, this was but that was Toby Spider Man too. That was like the, that, that was that the Toby image Spider-Man. was. It was Toby Spider-Man. So, so I wonder if like this Morbius trailer was giving away shit they hashed out a long time ago. And like they're kind of just now figuring it out. And we're just now figuring man. it out. That'd be really interesting. Either way, yeah. Now, now, but that makes Morbius even more interesting, right? You're like, damn. So what's going on in this movie? Um, right. Which is really crazy. But again, part of, part of me has me thinking is like, what if, again, Morbius is just in another universe where that Spider-Man exists um, in... in that's kind of what's going down. But also there's another version of Adrian too um, that could exist in that universe too. Who knows? There's so much multi-dimensional shit going on that anything is possible. And that's like the biggest takeaway, I think, from all that of this. That is the biggest takeaway. Is that yeah. anything is possible that if you want X-Men to exist, Marvel, there is clearly, you can just snap them niggas into the universe and be like, oh, it's the multiverse. Or you can literally just snap Fantastic Four into this bitch and like, oh, it's the multiverse. I think they now they have created so many avenues for themselves to like fix 
new these new properties coming in the way they did venom that anything is possible and that is again the biggest takeaway from all of this is that you can do it they can do it i think they have finally found the way to introduce everybody everybody's almost home everybody's home it's so close because if sony if sony and marvel working together in my mind that's home like we're doing great if i think they'll come to another agreement at some point hopefully hope we'll see how Sony is, if they feeling greedy or not, whatever, we'll figure it out. Hopefully, uh, uh, Universal and Hulk, hopefully we'll figure that out at some point. But then I, I, I think everybody's coming home and that's a good thing. Uh, man, the last quick thing about this post-credits scene that I just want to like, obviously just talk about quickly. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home. I, this movie is it seems to be very crowded. It seems to be yep. like Hello. packed to the brim. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously excited, obviously excited. And I'm still all also a little concerned mm-hmm. as to how this is a Spider-Man story. Um, at all, really mm-hmm. like, yes, there's going to be Tom Holland dealing with this and it will play a major part in it, but I, it'll all depend on how much any of these people are in the movie at the end yeah. of the day. Like we don't know mm-hmm. the, screen time for any of these folks it could be two seconds for all we know but it just seems just beyond anything that we could have comprehended but i also look at other examples like i look at loki episode five when you ran into all of those variant loki's and that was just Mm -hmm. one scene really it was six minutes of the show yeah and you got this really wacky bonkers scene looking at like 13 different loki and that was kind of all we needed to establish, like, it's a lot of these motherfuckers running around here. <laughs> yeah. There's more than one Venom. There's more than one Spider-Man. There's more than one Vulture, based on the, the multiverse theme and concept. Mm-hmm. We, we got that from um, He Who Remains in, in the season finale of Loki. Yeah. He talked about the variants and how they exist across all spaces and all times. There's multiple versions of, of that character as well, of everybody. Um, so I guess that's an easy out and an easy explanation, but... I do, I do find myself a bit concerned with just like how much this movie is going to be able to have and and withstand, and also, also just like in addition to that, you know, good fan service is good, but how mm-hmm. it, it's a fine line you yep. walk before it becomes a gimmick, yep, and and becomes too much. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. are we just purely excited for this movie just based off the fact that we might be able to see some of these people? Like, are we not interested in the story? Right. Like. I know we are like right, I, right. I know that, but just the general m- movie going public, like if they throw this stuff in their marketing, if they throw more of these hints, you know, outside of this post credit scene, outside of what we saw with Alfred Molina, if they start to just like load this up in the marketing and show us Andrew and show us Toby and show us Willem Dafoe, maybe mm-hmm. like does it just become a gimmick? I mean, is it that soulless that they mm-hmm. could just throw these characters in and yeah. just they know we're gonna get our fucking money to mm-hmm. come to the theater just because we want to see these people like? I'm I'm getting I'm getting a little you know outside of myself here, but that's those are just the things that I start to think about with this. Like, damn, is it that easy that they can just like call these people up to satisfy us? Like, where's the true where's the true like essence of this story? And hopefully it comes through. I mean, I could be completely wrong about all of this, but I'm just thinking about that. Yeah, I think there. Are, I think you'll always get some of those people who will go see a movie for that reason. I guarantee you, there's people who went to go see Endgame just because everybody and their mama in the damn movie, and they probably seen two Marvel movies before that, you know, like they, they heard word of mouth and they seen Infinity War Endgame. That was it. 
Um, and I think it will get the same here, right? I, I think there's a big number of people who don't care about the story. Me, I mean, us, I know we care about the story. We over here like, okay, so how does this tie into Multiverse of Madness? Is Doctor Strange going to do this or that? Or like, okay, what happens after this? What's Spider-Man going to do? Oh, you know, I, of course we care, but I, I really do think um, that is part of it, right? Even the whole, is this Matt Murdock? Which in the IMAX, what's funny, IMAX, it's like not as cut. And like- No, I, yeah. Well, you can see it's not him. You can see it's not him. Yeah. Because yeah. I've seen it. I was like, oh, well, that's hella clear. Because <laughs> it's not the same <laughs> cut of the trailer that we've seen before. Right. Uh, yeah. you, can, you can clearly see it's not him. But um, I, I really do, you know, I, I am embarking on the hope that I think Marvel's kind of been here before and had to balance a lot of these characters before in certain movies. Um, you know, at, at its core, Civil War is still a Captain, Am- Captain America movie. You know, it, it really is. And I'm hoping that, that, again, the same way that you kind of described the Lokis, the way they popped up, the Loki variants popped up in a certain amount of minutes is the amount, of course, maybe like closer to like 30 minutes, right, of the movie. Um, not six minutes, but like closer to 30 minutes of the movie really is that fan service. And that'll be enough for me. Because that is a great 30 minutes. Because that's what Endgame is too, right? Endgame is really like, what's, how long is that last act? Oh, I the, mean, the last act's like 45 minutes, but the other is, two hours and 15 yeah, minutes is just you know, that. pure um, emotion and story for the most part. Yeah. yeah, and that's my hope is as a Spider-Man fan, as someone who enjoys Tom Holland's Spider-Man, make it his story first. You know, it's it got to be Tom Holland first. We know what the Doctor Strange team up to, don't get me wrong. But like- as I think I uh, hope they just got to understand it's a Spider-Man movie at its core. Spider-Man No Way Home featuring Doctor Strange and all the mother niggas that's coming in. And I think they, they can, <laughs> and we don't know the runtime of the movie yet either, right? Uh, which is... We don't, but presumably it's over two and a half. Which early, which is good. Very early, like, yeah. They, they'll need it for they fucking sure with yeah, all yeah, this. They yeah. need it. We do need this movie to be like closer to three hours than not. Um, yeah. especially with all the stuff that they're talking about, all the implications this movie will have on the on the MCU. And so I think again, if, if it say it is 245, say let's say the movie's 245. If two hours of the movie, shoot, let's say 150, one hour and fifty minutes of the movie is is Spider-Man featuring Doctor Strange, and then we get the fan service at the end of them, I am perfectly fine with that. I think right. they would have succeeded as making this a Spider-Man movie while giving us a little bit of that fan service that they gave us in the trailer. Um, and I think we'll move on and be happy fans. And I think that's the way to do it. Because uh, uh, like you said, it was a fine line. And so far, Marvel hasn't, they haven't, they haven't done it yet. You know, they haven't, they haven't tipped the scale of that fan service yet. They've done it just right to me personally, you know, in my, in my opinion. So uh, I, I just hope they can stick with that consistency that they've had before um, and hope for a good No Way Home. I agree. I'm glad you're the optimistic one, man. I, I but I do I do agree. Uh and, and the point that you made about this being Tom Holland's Spider Man's story really that that that's the nail on the head for me because I think as much as we talk about these villains and Sinister Six and Venom and all of that mm-hmm. stuff, like it's very important to acknowledge and to note like Okay, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, love to have you back. So excited to see both of you, but you also had your time in the limelight. This is still Tom Holland front and center. Because yeah. um, I see a lot of stuff on the internet that's placing Toby at the top of the heap, and that's just not going to be the case. Like, mm-hmm. just don't fool yourself. Like, and I love what Toby did, honestly, in those Sam Raimi movies. Right. But this is this is absolutely still it's it's Tom Holland's time. Like, exactly. he's don't be Spider-Man. disrespectful. And I think every. 
Yeah, and I think I think even the, the filmmakers and the actors, they they all know that. Like mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield and Toby, they both have said nothing but positive things about them. So this is still going to be, even if they are in the movie and they, you know, get the incredible reactions that I'm sure that they will get, like, <laughs> it's still going to be Tom Holland that's going to that's gonna have the moments. But, uh, woo, man, we uh, we had to dive in deep there. So that that's really all about the movie. Uh, I, I just want to quickly just, like, point out the box office performance because this movie came out and just did phenomenal numbers biggest opening weekend of the pandemic domestically thus far since the rise of skywalker it made 90.1 million dollars in its opening weekend last week wow Um, it's the second highest october opening of all time only behind the jokers 96.2 million from two years ago it even beat out the opening weekend of the first venom which was pre-pandemic before any of this shit the first venom had about an 80 million dollar opening this got you know over 10 million dollars more during you know the times of still living in in, we're we're living in uncertainty we're still living living in a pandemic and variants are out there and stuff i mean this just reinforces everything you said earlier right like (laughs) yeah people people really want to see venom like that's clearly the case obviously moving the movie up was a great decision by Sony's part. Mm-hmm. Um, very smart on them to capitalize on the hype. It just looks like the box office is just building momentum. Like it started, I think it really started with Black Widow, had yep. a great opening weekend, albeit the Disney Plus stuff of it that, that got really murky. Mm-hmm. Free Guy came out and did phenomenal business. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people love that movie, including us. Shang-Chi comes out, does phenomenal business, held the number one spot for four weeks straight. Here we have Venom, 90.1 million opening weekend. It looks like No Time to Die might be approaching 100 million. Mm. Um, next weekend for its opening weekend, which will be the first hundred million dollar opening weekend since Rise of Skywalker, and the first one for any Bond movie ever. Wow. Eternals is on the way. Obviously, No Way Home is on the way. So it just looks like that the, the mo- momentum is building. People are going back to the movie theaters. But you know, focusing on Venom. I mean, how how big of a win is this? And how many sequels is Venom going to get at this point? They're going to just green light the next three, four, five, six of them based <laughs> on the performance here. Man, I don't even know. Man, I know they they just like money. Uh, and I think they're going to ch- attempt to shift some of the momentum from Venom into their other Sony properties. I think uh, I think they will only make so many Venom films, right? Like Tom Hardy's only going to be signed on for so long, I think, too. Um, so I think they'll—I don't know how they're going to do it because the, the, the characters they have left are not Venom and they're not Carnage and they're not Spider-Man. And it's like, whew, how, how much more can you do, right? So which is why I think they're doing—they're trying to do a lot of that heavy lifting now to just— create a brand to get people in butts, uh, butts and seats. So, you know, I, I really hope that's the direction they're going. Um, but yeah, I think, shoot, Venom, who knows? Maybe Venom 5, <laughs> 5 Venoms, which sounds crazy. Well, we already got two in the pocket, so. But it might happen. It might happen. This might turn into like a, a, a horror franchise where you get seven sequels, Dang, right? And they just crazy. keep going and pump, pumping them out. I mean, mm-hmm. I would not be surprised. You know, there's no reason Tom Hardy couldn't just keep doing it if he, if he really wanted to and he has ownership over this. I mean, listen, Hugh Jackman played Wolverine for 17 years. Robert wow. Downey played Tony Stark for 11. You know, it, it's very possible. We could see, you know, uh, Tom Hardy being around and sticking around for a while in this role. But overall, huge win, obviously, for Sony. Incredible that they did this amount of business. I mean, just $90 million in, in the circumstances that we're dealing with right now is just ridiculous. Like, this is literally the biggest movie since The Rise of Skywalker at this point, financially. Like, it outperformed Black Widow. It outperformed Shang-Chi. It outperformed, you know, Fast 9, which is the second highest grossing movie of this year in the pandemic era. Like, it's just like... The power of Venom, the power of this character is just like really showcasing itself now. And the last thing that I'll say about it is that I'm really, I'm really happy 
that this is happening because listen love the mcu we both love the mcu we i mean we literally talk about it every single week on our show um it's a thing that we've been following and dealing with for you know 13 years at this point going on and i I love most of the stuff that they do but it's nice to have some variety it's nice to have some stuff that's different because we know with a lot of stuff that comes out of the mcu although it's a well-oiled machine the most well-oiled machine in hollywood history Mm -hmm. you're going to get a certain style and tone and that's great for them and that's great for what they're doing and i'm not downplaying what they're doing to lift somebody else up i'm just saying that in an era where we're getting so many superhero movies and so many comic book movies and tv shows at the same time it's great to still have variety and it's great to have other studios being successful at this because if they weren't then we'd be stuck with only one type of movie and that would just not be good that's how fatigue quote-unquote would happen yeah that's how superhero fatigue would be brought on but the fact that we have things like venom or if you go to TV, you have things like The Boys or Invincible. You know, these things that just give us different takes and styles and tones. It's just good for everybody. So the fact that Venom is winning, yeah. MCU or not, is a huge win for just all of us as fans, I think. So I think it's 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 the right move to congratulate it and to be to be happy for its success. Yeah, it's it's just it just feels good, man. I'm not even gonna say much about that. It just feels good to be here in this realm, um, to be able to share it with other people. Again, we, we we just got done talking about a movie that came out in 1993. You know how much like work you have to do in the world <laughs> in order for us to even be here? It, it, it really does, uh, I think, just mean something else uh, that a lot of youngins are, aren't going to understand. A lot of young people weren't there playing, you know, the Spider-Man games with us or watching the Spider-Man cartoon with us when we were younger. Um, and, and and really engaging in that content to get a lot of the movies that we have today, but they're able to still again kind of kind of reap those benefits, right? Of of all the work that was put in um, into these franchises in order to make a Venom Let's Be Carnage movie. With, again, if you saw somebody a movie like that was coming out in 1993 and it would look the way that it does now, like literally take this movie. Go back to the future, right? You get it on the DeLorean. Go back to 1993 and put this movie in. Everybody will lose their shit. I mean, it it would just literally, it would just be a different kind of response um, than than what people would be ready for. And I think that means so much. Um, again, coming from us when we're we're we're, we're talking about these movies, man. So uh, I had to you know give that appreciation for where we are in the nerd world today. Certainly. Well, we have talked about this movie in all aspects, in and out, from top to bottom. Those are our thoughts on Venom, Let There Be Carnage. All of our thoughts, all of our spoilerific analysis and themes and breakdown of the the Venom sequel. So thank you all again for tuning in to another episode of Two Black Nerds. We are officially down and out. That's all we got for y'all this week. We will be back next week to talk about the newest James Bond film, No Time to Die, the final performance from daniel craig himself after 15 years as james bond we will be reviewing no time to die as well as the season finale of what if we finally reached the finish line for the marvel studios animated series it has come to a conclusion so we will be back to review that as well and i'll just say one last time thank y'all again for two years for making two black nerds such a, such a success over these past two years it's been a great ride it's been really fun keep tuning in keep engaging with us continue to support us in any way that you see fit and we'll be here to try to deliver as much as we can for y'all but just sending out you know thoughts and all of that to, to everybody that, that that supports us and really appreciate it yeah uh, with that being said y'all we are audi five 
thousand, man. Thank you so much for rocking with us for two years. We wouldn't be here without your love, patience, kindness, likes, retweets, and ears, man. Thank you for listening to another episode. And remember, always bet on black. Thank you for listening to another episode of Two Black Nerds, where we're too black, too nerdy, and we out, y'all. Peace. Yeah. You know the code, we gotta live by it. Never mind all the ice cubes on his wrist wearing the big body. Live by the gun, get body during cell time in that cell. It was cell times where I fell when I had to double back from them L's. Bet he don't double back when he tell. Cause it ain't no coming back when you tell. Why would you leave me here by myself? A nigga be lonely.